Welcome back to an A to Z of UK TV drama with me, Andy. Well, well, you say you're Andy, but I have a birth certificate here that actually says that you were born <laughs> <laughs> under a completely different identity, and you have taken over the identity of a of a, a certain Mister Priestnet <laughs> Priestnet Industries. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> oh yes, rules the world. Yes, I know. The little guy doesn't stand a chance. Anyway, uh, and I'm Martin. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Martin. How the heck are you? Your surname isn't Borman by any chance, is it? <laughs> well, some people have been known to say that. Oh, yeah, he's that very boring man, but I don't think that's quite the same. Oh, no, probably not. Uh, yes, I'm glad you added the sound effects yourself. <laughs> I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to do that in post. This week. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to have much to say. Basically, I'm now talking to the person who's written the book on on Kessler, and so basically, the fundamental thing is I should say, "Well, anyway, what have you got to say?" And I can shut up for two hours. So that's fine. okay. The two hours starts now. <laughs> yeah, Kessler's a strange one because I went back to it this time thinking, "Oh yeah, it's just not. It's that extra bit, isn't it?" <laughs> which is kind of not how I feel, really. But it kind of dulls in the mind and you kind of think, well, it's not as good as Secret Army. But boy, you watch it again and you think, there's loads in this. It's really good. It's not Secret Army, but it's 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 good. Very good. What about you? What do you think? Oh, oh I get to speak again. Um, no, <laughs> I didn't expect that. Oh, I've, I've gone off to the pub. No, <laughs> um, no. I, well, mm, Kessler. Kessler is, it's an interesting uh, series. I mean, I, uh, you know, I, 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 I had no access to it for a very long time. Uh, and I do remember watching it on original transmission. But the only thing I remember about watching it on original transmission was the ending. And there's a kind of weirdness to that ending, which I know is a long yeah, way off in our conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the thing is that it, it one, it stuck with me. But two... As a when was it nineteen eighty one? It was made, was it? Yeah, as a so I would have been about seventeen. Um, as a seventeen year old watching that, I yeah I get this thing sometimes with with a series that I'm sort of enjoying, which I must have been enjoying, is that oh it's over, it has to be over because of 
the way it ends. Yeah. And I'm sort of thinking, oh, that's a shame. I was kind of thinking, you know, I, I, could, have, I could have had more of that, really. Hmm. And, of course, that's the thing about finality in TV drama generally. I mean, it's like when they made The Last Morse. <laughs> We're never seeing Morse again. Oh, look, Endeavour's come along. Yeah. <laughs> life stories are funny because, obviously, all lives end in death. Yeah. But life stories are funny because on, on television because you kind of feel that somehow that ending sort of negates the rest in the sense of ongoing drama. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm not really putting this very well, but I just sometimes feel, oh, because everything that you see in a previous episode mm. is irrelevant yeah. because of that ending. I, I, kind of I almost mean, feel yeah. that. Yeah, I feel that quite a lot. Once, I, once uh, the remorseful day was transmitted in, in Morse, hmm. it all it almost felt like every other episode is like, well, it doesn't matter, does it? Because you know what's coming. <laughs> That's it's quite a, it's a, it's an interesting way of looking at life. I have to say. <laughs> hmm, yeah, but it, it's just it, it, I find it particularly with with TV dramas. I don't know. I quite like the opening. I quite like it. It's one of those things where you know where things like. Uh, Doctor Who fans specifically yeah. like to join the dots. Yeah. And I'm quite fond of more abstract. I like there to be possible. You know, and the adventure goes on forever. That's the kind of yeah. thing. I like the idea that there are just things that you don't have explained yeah. sort of out there. So I kind of feel that the, the full stop at the end of Kessler sort of feels like the full stop on the whole of Secret Army as well. Yeah, I think it has to. Um, and yes, obviously it has to do that job. It's just that somehow, on some level, it leaves me feeling just mildly disappointed because you just feel, well, there won't be any more. There won't be any other stories to be told. Sure. Yeah. I mean, during Kessler itself, fascinating fact, Jerry Glaster, who devised this series with John Brayson, and also he mm. also produced it, um, he asked Clifford Rose, who plays Kessler, for those that don't know, mm. that um, did he want to come back and do a second series? during production mm. and Clifford was like no no I think this is it mate <laughs> mm. so Clifford decided that rather than Jerry um, mm. but the thing that most surprised me looking back at it now was I hadn't remembered the viewing figures that were so good they were around around mm. nine and ten million which well it, it was what three no two years after yeah the yeah but there'd been a, there'd been a significant repeat season just before mm. it which I think but people were yeah. eager to see yeah. more of that story. Yeah. I think that's that's the interesting thing yeah. about it. But I think yeah. that's the biggest hurdle that Kessler has to overcome, and that is... Mm. That it's not Secret Army. it's not Secret Army. <laughs> and it was pitched mm. as being a sequel to Secret Army. It, it is, but it kind mm. of isn't. In my book, I mm. argue that it's more of a spin-off because mm. it doesn't have many of the same characters. It tries to create its own new mm. world. And, mm. you know, those trappings of the Condide and all the Secret Army gloriousness... It's just only there briefly. I think it's interesting, though, to take that as a, as a concept because, in the end, you're making a sequel about the most unpalatable character, yeah. really, of the series itself in terms of personality and the fear that he sort of engenders throughout the three seasons. And yet, somehow... He's kind of become a bit of a lovable old Nazi at the end of it. And you are kind of rooting for him to get away in yes, his last it's couple of episodes, even it? though he does horrible, horrible things. Yeah. I think that's the anti-hero thing getting into us, really. I mean, you do sort of, watching Secret Army, you do sort of think, oh, he got away, well done. And then you think, no, no, that sh I shouldn't be thinking like that. But that, I think, is a reflection of the, the greatness of the performance and the character and the way 
that uh, in many ways it shows that <laughs> you know the the enemy quotes are not always all bad. They have charm. They have personality which makes them interesting even though they are doing these monstrous monstrous things and that's a very difficult thing to actually square inside your mind yeah because i think occasionally you forget that kessler is a dangerous fanatic and about mm. the, the hundreds hundreds and hundreds of people that were killed on his order and mm. and also his dream of the fourth reich which which is completely balmy <laughs> oh absolutely but, i mean you do get that throughout this you know, it's series you do get this this obsession yeah. coming through and it is quite frankly bonkers yeah. you know, but, but but then at the same time one of the things that kept coming back to me this time watching it was i think since i last watched this and mm. i don't know when that was before writing this book probably 2008 so it's quite a while ago mm. um the rise of nationalism and right wing mm. Um, ideologies mm. is terrifying and yes and therefore kessler feels more relevant now well it was a fear wasn't it it was a fear they were writing about even in when this series was being made that that sense of the worry of the the growth of the right in germany uh, i mean even in one of the interviews i think they they even mentioned le pen oh yes uh, mostly bryant was because you know, he was, he in, was france. in france yeah yeah, so it it is kind of it it's always bubbling under there. That but most of the time, quotes civilization says that kind of extremism is wrong. We are, I think, that's that kind of thing is starting to dilute now because nationalism has been pushed into into the centre stage and people are wrapping themselves in the flag, ironically. Yeah, but again, with some of the ways this, this show goes, uh, they are wrapping themselves in the flag and actually that kind of thinking is becoming more fashionable again, more, well, not fashionable, but more popular mm, again. Yeah. Brayson was very keen that everything in the series was based on fact, just as it had been in Secret Army. Mm. And so the writing, and the, based on the research that he'd done, is really intense. And I remember going back to it in detail when I was looking back for the DVD booklet and for the book and re just realising how much was based on reality and lifted from the pages of books of um, of Jewish Nazi hunters and, and other people who were fascinated by this stuff. And you've got to remember that, of course, of the time, late seven, very late 70s, it was, it was absolutely the era of remembering these war criminals were still amongst us and mm. and that they were at large and they were still alive which of course they're not now well the original war criminals aren't but um but yeah it's just fascinating how deeply researched it is and even the most incredible things were actually true like Borman and Mengele were at large in South America which it, it, occasionally the idea of that in Kessler feels a bit bonkers. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, again, I, hasn't the real world basically intervened and said that certain aspects of this story couldn't possibly have happened because of things that came out later? I mean, about, uh, I thought Borman, it was now stated specifically, didn't survive uh, the Second World War. But, is that, is that um, an actual fact? It's, it's well, it... it Shall we say it's received opinion at the moment? Now is it? And, and Mengler and Mengler didn't make it out of the seventies. We're the only active organisation to lead Germany back to national socialism. 
Do you think those old fools living in Brazil and Paraguay are ever going to do anything? Oh, they're toothless old refugees pretending to be Hitler's old guard. Waiting for de Targ that will never come. Waiting for their Reichsleiter to lead Germany back to supremacy. They're so stupid. You were happy enough to be part of it? Not so many years ago? Oh, but it was, Father. Light years ago. There are young men in Germany who are not talking of the old days and crying over their uniforms. Is that what you think of me? Not you. Not the Colonel. You're both different. The young people worship you and Colonel Rockett. Forget the old guard. Join the young ones. Lead us. Ingrid, your friends doubtlessly mean well, but they are children without purpose, without faith. Throwing bombs, killing a few Jews, hijacking planes, making hostages of old men. These are the trappings of foolishness. They are pointless, senseless, futile. Your brave young friends are no better and no different from the Bader-Meinhof lunatics. If you imagine a new Germany will grow from such beginnings, then you are not my daughter. And I believe that you are. Kessler is a six-part story uh made in 1981 which uh has a kind of sweeping scale to it 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 has uh parts of it take part in europe part of it take place in london parts of it take place in south america <coughs> spain um and it generally has various factions sort of coming together there's an israeli faction there's the mi6 mi5 faction there's there is the german authorities who are investigating uh nazi uh, sympathizers and there's the nazi plots themselves and they all come together into this six hours of rather interesting television yeah thank you for that summation um one thing that i always feel about kessler that i find very confusing and, and every time i find mm. it confusing is in the mm. first three or so episodes where the hell mm. are they? It's like, are they in England? Mm. Are they in Germany? Are they in Are they in Belgium? Belgium? Are they in Germany? Yeah, this, <laughs> it's really yeah. confusing. Mm. And I, as I said in my book, I think it would have been really helpful if they'd had what you have always in Hollywood films, you know, Germany on the screen. Caption. You, you kind of need mm. to know where you are, particularly as there's interesting choices made around language and whether people... Because mm. Bauer, um, played by mm. Alan Doby, who is the the lead Nazi hunter, I guess, yeah. here, is meant to be German and living in Bonn. Yes. But you think he's mm. England, he's from England, living in the home counties, and he's not. Mm. And it's things like that that are confusing. Mm. Well, that's a directorial choice, yeah. isn't it, by, that Brian uh, makes about not having cod, the cod access yes. in the programmes, yeah. you know. And yet, it's again, it, it is quite weird, because when you watch all six in a row, you really do feel that, the opening three are a different, well, almost like a different style, but certainly a different animal to the second three. The second three, it's much more, it's much more Spanish, it's much more spaghetti western. Yeah. The first part is very much, I don't know, you could almost say it's got parallels with the Bourne identity, perhaps. Mm. But there's a kind of European bleakness to the parts one to three, and then the second half is very much hot countries and so cold countries hot countries there's a there is a contrast but the two it's almost like you could have put two uh separate 
films together and sort of part one, you know, one one sort of two and a half hour epic and then another two well, and a half you, hour you epic. Well, you could say the first three episodes are the Odessa file and the second three are Boys from Brazil. So, <laughs> mm. But there's a definite stylistic change when yeah. you get to that halfway but, point. But I that's also that's mirrored by those two films, which I think is, is weird. Because I always think mm. the Odessa file is that sort of like bleak Europe- Europeanism and, yeah. Yeah. So... Are we going to start at the beginning? A very good place to start. Well, I suppose. I mean, I, I was going to read the back of the DVD, but God, it's a wordy bugger. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Rude! I normally get about three paragraphs, but this is like a bloody... Is it really? Who the hell wrote Is it really? I haven't looked at the back of it. I just watched it again. <laughs> No, God bless. And uh, I, I, I will, I will swiftly go through uh, the, the back of the DVD, which has become traditional. Kessler is the exciting sequel to the classic BBC drama series Secret Army, and sees Clifford Rose reprise the bleh, reprise the role of Ludwig Te- Kessler. <laughs> <laughs> Ludwig Kessler. <laughs> Different story. Yeah, very. Uh, Ludwig Kessler, apart for which he won much critical acclaim, written by Secret Army's script editor and principal script writer John Brazen, Enemy at the Door, The Fourth Arm, and its creator Gerard Glaister, called it The Brothers Howard's Way. This six-part thriller takes up Kessler's story some 30 years after the war. The investigation of Belgian journalist Hugo von Eyck is into the true identity of the successful German industrialist Manfred Dorf brings Monique Dernfurt, Angela Richards, back to Brussels for a reunion with her lifeline colleagues Albert Foire, Bernard Hepton and Natalie Chantron, Juliet Hammond Hill. Other new arrivals to the Belgian capital are West German intelligence agent Richard Bauer, Alan Doby, War and Peace Crib, who fears the re-emergence of National Socialism and army-trained Israeli army-trained army-trained Israeli Mikhail Rak Nitzasol from Doctor Who, who is seeking revenge for her dead mother. Kessler's colleagues in the Kameradenwerk decide that he must leave Germany behind and he heads to London with his determined daughter Ingrid Alison Glennie Blake Seven and his manservant Franz Horst Nicholas Young the Tomorrow People however the pers- do you want me to go on? <laughs> however, wow. the persis- however the persistence of Kessler's pursuers ultimately forces him to leave Europe for Paraguay there he is re- reacquainted with his old friend Don Julian what is it Equerus yeah Equerus okay. Guy Rolf, Secret Army, and the despised Dr. Joseph Mengele, Oscar Quitak from or Quitak from the death of Adolf Hitler. Kessler holds the key to the global future of Nazism and seeks an audience with Reichleiter Martin Bormann, Will Hans Ruckart, Ralph Michael, Empire of the Sun, and the Kameradenwerk or Ingrid's neo-Nazi organization gain access to the legendary Nazi fortune. And what role will Kessler take in the Fourth Reich? And then the rest is digitally remastered. I thought that was beautifully, beautifully written. Beautifully written. Covered all the bases. Gosh, it, was, it was eloquent. It was an essay. It was. Uh... I, I think the thing is that <laughs> when I'm writing a DVD cover back, as I was wont to do, I would make sure that the key cast members were all covered Quite so right. that they felt happy because they were all getting a copy. Yeah. So they had to be on the back cover. That was one of the reasons, to be quite honest. But also, I like people to be given their due. Indeed, indeed. Yes. And be careful how so, you say due because. Sometimes yes, the, yes. In this, in the this... other word is spat out horribly. Oh, God, I know. Well, it is, but it has to be because... Yeah, the horrible, nasty racism. And, 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 you, yes. and you have to see the horrible, nasty racism from time to time. And actually, when it comes out, it is actually quite shocking. I don't know whether uh, one of the, the things about uh, Kessler now is whether... Because I know you said it was more relevant today than perhaps it was when it was made. But it actually... the 
the the the unpleasantness of the uh, the Nazi characters really does come across, and it actually is quite shocking because I don't think I think we sort of gloss over this stuff a bit more in modern dramas, and actually the, yeah. the real sort of basically dyed in the wool racism that you see on display in this is actually quite hard to take. Yeah, absolutely. So shall we get into episode Vern? Episode one. Well, I I thought you might briefly before before we did that, oh. you might just briefly want to talk about what we did in the war, Daddy, um, because this is a sort of partial remake of that, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So that was um, set in 1969. It was the 43rd episode of Secret Army, mm-hmm. written by John Brayson, directed by Victor Rotellis. And never broadcast. Not available as a DVD extra. <laughs> because it's it's a mess. Mm. It's terrible. Partly because of the... <laughs> oh, so many different reasons. Mm. The main reason... I mean, I've always called, called it, what did you do that for, Daddy? Because it's so... <laughs> because it's so terrible. But it's just the choices it makes. Um, it also uses a lot of weird... Um, graphic choices in terms of like new technology that Victor's is playing mm. with people like hovering around so technologically it looks shockingly bad mm. um it's it's also... set in what 69 isn't it yeah it's set 10 years yeah. earlier than this really but yeah and it's just a real downbeat ending mm. to the series whereas the execution ends it on a high so i kind of wish all copies had been burned <laughs> rather than stored at the bbc but um it's interesting because it tries to show the effect of the war all this time later on the regulars and, and you know, how is Kessler doing now? You briefly find out. But I think the point is that, for instance, Tenko took a whole series to show the impact of the war mm. on its characters, mm. whereas Secret Army was trying to do that in one ridiculously quick episode. Mm which was never going to be satisfying and mm. never really show the true impact of everything on these people. Mm. And I think that would have been a fascinating series. Well, post-war um, Belgium. Yeah, mm. yeah. And post-war Germany mm. for, for Kessler. We, as he, we've not you know, ever Kessler. really touched on that in dramas, have we? I mean, it, it's it's a period in history. I mean, we talk about the 50s now as sort of, you know, in terms of rationing and what have you here, austerity and what have you. Yeah. But actually, that... That story of rebuilding Europe, I don't think has been shown on screen very much at all. Yeah, and and Clifford asked for it, mm. and he also wanted to work with Hazel McBride as well mm. as Madeline. So you know, because they worked so well together, mm. and they wanted to have that rebuilding story mm. of how you know how somebody actually identity. managed to rise to prominence, yeah. having had this other identity without anybody noticing. Yeah, yeah, but he was just told it was just too expensive. Mm to recreate mm. the rebuilding of, of Germany. In, and I understand that mm. in the, you know, that 1950s mm. thing would have been, would have been hard to do. It is touched upon can... though, isn't it? The, the, it, you know, we get that sort of essence. I mean, it's a couple of lines, but you do sort of get that impression that he's come from point A and we are now at point B and there's been this almighty rise to industrial or um, business power in the yeah. in the intervening years but it, it is I mean, the roots of that story are actually in that never transmitted episode aren't they yeah yeah they absolutely are um thankfully the the makeup is improved for the condeed regulars when it comes to <laughs> episode one because it's quite flaky and bad mm. and 
Also, what's really interesting to me is that the dialogue giving, given to Albert and Natalie in What Did You Do in the War, Daddy? is repurposed for the last episode of Kessler. So um, lines that are given to Albert in What Did You Do in the War, Daddy? are given to um, Bauer. Um, this thing about not taking a single life, one, one human life is important. And Natalie, Natalie's lines, thankfully, are, are given to Kessler and they are about how oh, well the communists were worse, which I could never cope with from Natalie. It's like, oh, the war's pointless because the communists are far worse. And it's like, what are you talking about, Natalie? Why are you some, suddenly some anti-communist mm. freedom fighter mm. with yeah, a weird head scarf? <laughs> yeah, just, just, just very odd. Um, yeah. So... But when we come to actually the series itself, uh, what yes. we do get in the in the opening episode anyway is we do get appearances by Natalie and um, where are they? Monique and Albert uh, as old people who have not actually, as far as we can tell, not really met up very much in the intervening thirty years. Uh, and the interesting thing I think is that they are given different points of view. Albert wants to forget it all and. It's it does it matter anymore? That doesn't is does it matter anymore? Thread runs through the entire series. Why are we pursuing these people? Surely we should just yeah. move on and forget about their crimes and their evil. And that actually sort of sifts, you know, just sneaks in every so often into the storyline. Whereas basically Monique, nope, that's him, that's him. I know, I recognise him. It's him. It's definitely, yeah. and he should pay. And and I guess that might be comes down from. A sense of how you personally suffered. I, I do wonder yes. with Albert specifically whether the reason he doesn't want it churning up again is because people might ask more questions about him. I, you know, and it's how a he got the, the condeed and the money mm. and all that. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Mm. I mean, of course, Monique was in a cage. She was almost, mm. you know, shaved as a collaborator, mm. etc. Did he by any chance show you that film he had and that interview with Kessler? It was Kessler, you know. There's no doubt about it. Yes, that's what I said. Albert wasn't sure. I said I wasn't prepared to be definite. But, uh, in any event, what does it matter? Well, I think it matters. I thought he was dead. There are moments, again, I mean, I, I know that you, you like this show and I don't, I don't want to be hypercritical. There were moments where I was getting a very Five Doctors vibe from it. <laughs> you know, when they walk into a room, ah! <laughs> You know, you. Oh, absolutely! You know, it's the sudden, it's, I'm a guest spot. Oh, I'm a guest spot. And um, <laughs> exactly, no, totally. I feel that as well. Oh, don't worry about criti critiquing it because mm. I, I feel that it's one element of the series that doesn't really work. It didn't work in what you do in the War Diary. I don't think it works in Kessler because there's a desperate part of you that wants you to to suggest, oh, Monique and Natalie, why don't you go on the run and <laughs> chase him down, sort of thing, and like it could be about you again and how wonderful it was when you were running the line. Mm. But it doesn't make sense for them to do it, I don't think. Mm. I think the one it does make the most sense for is Natalie mm. because she was so strong and did so much and was capable. Mm. But she doesn't have a motivation like Mikal does to do it. Mm. Um, and also they put her in a wig that makes her look like Miss Babs from Asian <laughs> Antiques. So it, kind of, it feels less likely on those grounds too. But... Well, they are cameos, aren't they? They are cameos to say this is a link to the other series and, and they are not returned to at all. I mean, we we don't find out, you know, as viewers, we find out, oh, they all managed to have reasonable lives in the intervening time after the war. Well done. Yeah. But yeah. But one thing I was going to say is that two of the original plans for Kessler mm. as a series, the first was <laughs> crazy, was 
that Reinhardt had a twin brother who we'd never seen before, <laughs> played by Terence Hardyman, who was going to chase down right. Peter Rose. <laughs> that was one of them. With a sinister um, moustache. <laughs> and the other one was that the Lifeline regulars would do the hunting down of Kessler. Ah, okay. So it, they were both planned, but both dismissed as unworkable. It's kind of a hard sell, that. though, isn't it? I mean, I, I think that's the thing. When you're writing a sequel to a series, it's quite a hard sell to not have many, or you know, more than one of the main characters in it. You know, yeah. for the viewer, they sort of say, "Well, I really want to mean, I want to know what happened, what Natalie's doing. I want to know what Monique's doing. I want to know yeah, Albert's doing." Absolutely. You know. And seeing as also, you get them in the start credits mm. of the episode one. You kind of like, "Oh my god, it's so exciting! Mm. All these people are going to be in mm. it, but they're just in it for the one." Mm. So it's like, "Oh, okay." So it's a bit of a sad all... reunion as well, isn't it? I mean, you know, it's yeah. they sort of drift off again at the end of it, and it's kind of like, "Oh." That's it, really. And, and they don't seem to like each other very much. <laughs> no, exactly. And you kind of want them to be much more emotional with each other, mm. but it's just, no, it's not going to happen. And I kind of like the reality of that. I think that feels quite real. That's more my experience of, of reunions. Not that I was ever in a resistance organisation and reunited 30 years later, but you know what I mean? It's kind of like, it feels like the off-kilterness of it, mm. that it isn't all, isn't all lovey-dovey. It's no. kind of right. I couldn't go, not without saying goodbye. Come back. Bring Stephen and, and your son next time. We have plenty of room. There didn't seem to be much time. It, everything went so quickly. Goodbye. I think a surprise for me watching watching this mm. the first time I watched it, which actually was um, only about 20 years ago, mm. was that it was going to focus so much on the Nazis mm. and their position in society now, and also the the confrontation and the conflict between the different groups. You've got Ingrid and Franz with the neo-Nazis. You've got the Kameraden. You've got Kessler, who's kind of will eventually move between the two. And you've got the old guard in South America who are part of the Cameradon, but ultimately they're dismissed as well. And it's in the Ikeras as well as the financier who's kind of his he's a he's a died in the wall Nazi, but he's yeah, it's it's just interesting that the factions are the focus mm. and that surprises me, but also makes sense. There's also a nice broad streak of irony that runs through the series and it's yep. it's the it's the aff the affrontedness of kessler about the unwarranted invasion of his privacy and stuff like that when you think of what he did yeah. all, all his he, he has this massive sense of entitlement and how oh, dare totally. people how dare people do this how dare people and that comes in time and again throughout you know throughout the whole sort of six parts really there are these moments where you just get again due to the magnificence of of the actual character if you like but also the playing of it you just get these moments where you he's so outraged that people would dare to interfere with his nice nice lifestyle i know because he's like he's built it up and he you know mm. he, he deserves all mm. this and he really does believe it mm. and i think it's it's also that entitlement because he always felt he should have been running the world and that's, that should have been the outcome of the war, that he was running the world from a really senior position. Mm. And he's never quite got over that mm. fact. And I think also losing Madeline has a huge impact on 
on his motivation on how he is because that was the one real love he had in his life and it was the it was his redeeming mm -hmm. quality although he, he does have his daughter he does but i think there's the suggestion all the way through this that he doesn't really love her mm. and in fact you know she's a means to an to end her, really. yeah and her going him going to her side at the end mm. is exactly a bit of guilt that he's never mm. really been there for her mm. and because she is more like kessler than she is like madeline mm. even though her delivery is more like madeline's mm. and i kind of like that connection of that flat delivery mm. that hazel mcbride always gave mm. and that's not a critique mm. critique of hazel it's saying mm. she gave she always made madeline quite enigmatic mm. and i think i think alison glennie does the same for ingrid but it's just interesting that you kind of feel like oh is she is she going to be no she's his father she's her father's daughter mm. you know and it's very much about power mm. and position and and she's she's just as fanatical as he is which is quite scary the reichleiter is still our leader he's trained many younger men to take his place when uh... when he drops dead groping the middle-aged senoras whose husbands are too intimidated to object ingrid why don't you and rookert take command between you you know everyone and still have faith in the reich they've never even seen borman oh who cares about him he was never anybody the others were great. He's nothing. He is alive. That is not nothing. I think what the episode does very well is it sets up the factions. Yes. It, you know, it does. You, you actually get an idea of the various sort of pieces on the board and how it's going to play out over the the uh, the six episodes. I mean, we get the Israeli contingent, which is basically um, you get Nitsa Saul and her friend. Who yeah. are just they're like backpackers? It's it's <laughs> what do you call it? It's Ark of Infinity. Ark of Infinity all over again. I got strong Ark of Infinity vibes from that as well. That's mm. hilarious. Absolutely, it's just Brussels rather than Amsterdam. Indeed. But the interesting thing about the way, because obviously uh, the the episode ends on on quite a shocking uh, event in the sense that uh, the wrong girl gets murdered by the Nazis and there's some yeah. horrible Nazi symbolism and and all that and it's really I mean I, am I being unfair when I actually wish they'd swap the two actresses around? No and in fact did you know um originally Ishia Benison was going to play Mikhail right but then Bryant found Nitsa Saul and thought oh actually no she's she's good too but um, obviously they thought she was better. But um, Ishia Benison is, uh, ironically, has gone on to have the bigger career. Well, again, maybe that was it. I just thought I know her from from sort of bigger, better things. So it was possibly yeah. She that. was recently recently in all of Happy Valley. Mm. No, really so like um, yeah, she, I know you don't, you don't go for modern TV, no. darling. But um, she was in EastEnders for years as well mm. as Gwizine Osman. Mm. But um, yeah, so it's it is an interesting choice mm. and. I never really know what I feel about Nitsa Saul mm. as Mikal and also Alan Doby, but I think it's just they don't have enough to do because this series is a is really about the Nazis. Yeah. It's not about them. They're not the lead. Think... In fact, sometimes the story seems to be treading water to find them something to do, to be honest. It's, uh, yes, it... absolutely. Yeah. We believe we know the signatories to it. We believe one of them is a man calling himself Manfred Dorf. We believe the moving of that money is imminent. You mean they're going to try and blow up the world? You'll have to do better than that, Mr. Leider. 
For reasons that must be obvious even to a foreigner. And a Jew. We must be certain who is a Nazi and who isn't. We need to know what they intend to do in order to thwart it. Now, we are very near to cracking this, Fraulein. We do not intend to let any young lady hell-bent on personal revenge spoil years of patient and dangerous work. Do I make myself understood? You do. I'll think about it. I mean, actually, if you just focused on you know, the the Nazi plot side of it, it actually might have, horrifying though it may have been, it may have actually been a more interesting series if all these people on the... I mean, you you could have slightly structured it differently because obviously there is an importance. So, but you get an awful lot of waffle with the MI5 and MI6 crowd, you know. you I mean, oh, I mean obviously, great if you like watching Doctor Who actors turning up in things. I mean, you get Je yes, Jeremy exactly. Wilkin and um, who's the other one? Oh, God, he's so famous. The, the, the large gentleman. Harold Innocent. Harold Innocent. You know, they are yeah. they are big-name sort of uh, character actors from that era and play a lot of those sorts of parts. But it does feel a rather... I find the MI5, MI6 stuff a bit pointless, really. Yeah. Apart from the fact yeah. that they have to liaise with Alan Doby's character to yeah, explain I, I, yeah. why he's able to do what he is while he's in London and all that kind of thing. I don't think in, in storytelling terms a lot of that stuff actually matters. I agree, but I think it's just there because Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy was so of popular course, at yeah. the time. Although I, I've got to be honest and say, I mean, one of the things I did write down is that Tinker, uh, you know, Kessler, with all its intrigue and everything... It's not Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. It doesn't have quite the same atmosphere, or at least the consistency. Right? I know you're not a huge fan of Tinker Tailor, but it has it has a mood that runs through it, and I feel yeah. that Kessler is a little bit more vague, if you like. Yeah. No, I think it's more that I can see that Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is really classy mm. drama, mm. and for some reason Kessler isn't classy drama. Doesn't feel it, does it? No, 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 classy is a good word. Uh, I, I, yeah, I wish I'd come up with it. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and I just can't quite put my finger on why. Mm. And I think somehow it's somehow it feels like this occasionally descends into pantomime, mm. and it's partly because there's a lot of strutting around. I wrote in my notes in my book. Mm. Um, the revelation towards the end of the episode that Ingrid is like her father involved in such a movement would have been considerably enhanced if earlier in the episode we'd seen her at a rally, say, or having a clandestine meeting with like-minded individuals rather than strutting around in her high heels to no great effect. And it's the fact a lot of it is reported action and there's a lot of sitting in studios talking to mm. each other. And I think Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, there's a lot of dialogue. Yeah, it would have benefited just... from being all on film rather than... Yeah, I was just studio. about to say that. Yeah. I think that's the main difference. Mm. And it just makes it feel a bit more Doctor Who. -y. Mm. It just makes it feel a bit more. And yeah, it worked in know. Secret Army, so you know. It, yeah. It, it's it's an interesting thing when it. I mean, I think there's something about sometimes it's just seventies fashions, or somehow it just can late seventies telly, early eighties telly can. It can just now seem a bit naff and a bit cheesy, and I don't know whether yeah. maybe you know ten years on again it'll look classy again i don't know it's, it's really odd because it, it probably at the time looked quite cutting edge and exciting you know but we've said this yeah. about other series that certain ones that were made you know like even like yellow thread street at the time seemed you know interesting oh and i loved it and yet now you look at it and go ooh, you know that was terrible yeah i think on that basis this stands up really well mm. but yes it does have that sort of mm. yeah it's not top tier is it 
it's somehow. But I hate to say it's sort of Howard's Way level, but it, it a lot of, <gasps> no because it just I'm some sorry. of it some of it looks <laughs> like it's it. I think it's actually a lot of it is to do with more portable cameras. I think it's just yeah. It somehow yeah. looks a bit you know. Not I'm not saying even like triangle or, or you know, but that sort of we've got you know it's something about the way it's shot that just makes you feel a bit oh. You know, I I can't really put my finger on it, but there's something about it that bothers me. Sure. Um, should we move into episode well, two? There was one other thing I did want. want yeah. I mean, because obviously uh, a lot of stuff set up in that opening episode, like the fact that uh, Kessler has the key to the money box of the of yes. the Nazi fortune. But also there is a, a scene where we actually go to uh, Kessler's house. Mm-hmm. It's weird, actually. Prefer, One of the prefer. things that I, that's crossed my mind, actually, is that for the series to be called Kessler, there are very few moments in the programme where he actually uses the name. <laughs> yeah. And actually, if you didn't know he was, you might not. <laughs> well, you do have the whacking great clue of the opening yes. credits. Yeah, I get, <laughs> I get that. And the opening credits are, are actually uh, quite delightful. I mean, they, they start with that double S, which is an interesting... Oh, it's clever, it's isn't it? It's a very clever use of, of his. I don't know whether that was why his name was chosen, you know, in the original series, or whether it's just a happy coincidence. But graphically, that makes for a very powerful, interesting yeah. thing. And it's a, Absolutely. it's this. Uh, we're flying over this massive black and white photograph yeah. of him in his full uh, Nazi uniform with with yeah. blood red type for for yeah. the title sequence. So I think that's a very effective thing. But when we actually go to his house. Or, yeah. or his HQ, uh, we get to meet the the lovely the lovely John from the Tomorrow People, <laughs> who who gets thankfully not thankfully not just stood there in his underwear no, as he occasionally was in the Tomorrow. Who gets people. to spit out that that J word very angrily at, oh, at one point, yeah. which is kind of powerful stuff. But he also he uh, uh, M- M- God Mikal uh, is out yeah. there with her rifle trying to get a pot shot at. At Kessler, yeah. uh, and she she is caught by. It's amazing how how I mean I don't know about you, but I, as job applications go, security guard at a Nazi nest. <laughs> I wonder how they get these people really, but basically they get these people <laughs> to be be quite horrible and um, and it's and effectively and I, again, I don't like to be critical, but I got a, there was a little bit of a. Uh, Monty Burns, you have released the hounds. Oh, absolutely. Release the hounds thing going on there. But yeah, uh, it's a tro- it's tropey in that way. Yeah, and he, do- and he basically gives her a proper groping when he's searching her, which of course, oh, yeah. because basically he's a nasty Nazi. Yeah, I mean that's something I wanted to pick up on is the groping in the serial mm. and the sexual elements. Mm. It kind of makes me think this is like is Torchwood to Doctor Who sort mm. of feel. It's like Kessler occasionally thinks it's more adult mm. or tries to be more adult just because it's a bit more violent and it's a bit more sexual. But that doesn't make it more adult. In fact, Secret Army comes off as more adult mm. because it doesn't go there. Yeah. Do you think there's um there's a parallel between the Mikal and um, Bauer relationship as the Kessler and his daughter relationship? Do you think there's an actual father-daughter thing going on with them, or do you think they're at it? Now, if this man Dorf is Kessler, he could lead us to it. If the fortune, as they call it, could be somehow destroyed, then the chances of a serious revival in Nazism would be over. Very well. I will work with you. Will you? Well, that's very courageous of you. 
Well, this is a job for professionals. I've had military training. Not much use for this kind of work. Then I will continue alone. You've almost been killed twice already. You've achieved nothing except getting in the way. Now, please stop while you're still alive. I will get Kessler. All right. So I think when it's the first three episodes, I think it's a father-daughter thing. Mm. But when they get to South America... It all gets a bit flirty I mean, and hot and sweaty, doesn't it's, it? It's obvious. But I think it's also because Alan Doby's character becomes more of an action hero when he gets mm. out there. So it doesn't feel quite so distasteful as mm. it does earlier. And you think, actually, come off it. Mm. She's half your age, mate. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a bit but where Gucci walks out wearing just his shirt, isn't there? And 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 they, yes, and... there's a lot of judicious leg crossing, mm. isn't there? Mm. <laughs> yeah. No, I think later on it feels okay somehow mm. because because they're on holiday mm. <laughs> in a way. But um, yeah, I definitely think. That's also something mm. to do with the early 80s and it was okay for older men mm. to be with younger women then and it's more distasteful now, I think. But do you think there is also supposed... To, there is a the, the parallel between the, the two male-female relationships? Do you think that... Well, that... do you think Kessler's, Kessler wants to... No, do you think it? it's a deliberate, you know, <laughs> parallel that you've got two older men and two younger women... Oh, I see, just in terms of that, yeah, that dynamic. Mm. Possibly, yeah, mm. yeah. Um, I just find it... The thing that I think is the cleverest about Kessler mm. is that relationship with his daughter becomes really important mm. and the connection with Madeline in the past is really important mm. because that's what in end, mm. ends up, you know, outing him as, as Kessler mm. and, you know, that, that nostalgia for Madeline. Oh, yes, absolutely. Well. I mean, basically, the, one of the, the reasons he is identified in the end is because didn't he have a wife? Yeah. And and that yeah. becomes how they they sort of unmask him because I mean a lot of the first three episodes is trying to prove that he even is Kessler and, yeah. and in the face of all his denials. The fascinating yeah. thing to me is also uh, with the the Mikal character is that I, again later on and and I think it's even as late as episode four uh, when they're running around in the hills of Spain. Uh, where it is Buenos Aires. Where, where, where are they in the end? Is it Paraguay? Paraguay. I know there's a Assumption. lot of talk. They mention Buenos Assumption. Aires a lot and then go to Paraguay. It's Paraguay. <laughs> it's just kind of the. But there's a lot of it where she's running around with her uh, assault weapon. Yeah. And I actually think she does not look like she's gun trained at all, despite supposedly <laughs> being from the Israeli army. And this is the thing: her character is is supposed to be this uh, trained Israeli commando. Uh, and indeed, in in episode two, I think it's episode two, she actually manages to kill an assassin in a in a lake, you know. So she's given a real big uh, uh, sort of action sequence. She has she has <laughs> you know, um, she has proper agency in that, and she's really you know they play up. But actually, you look at her and you think, nah. Well, actually, so this is where you're wrong. She mm. wasn't army trained in it at all. Oh, is it not? She was, yeah. Oh, she was the actress. Was. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, interesting. It, yes. Well, it doesn't come because... across on screen. That's all I can say. No, no, exactly. Because Michael E. Bryant was, I think that's one of the reasons why he was keen on her mm. because he felt she could carry the action mm. because she had been army trained mm. and. It was also why when there was those torture scenes, they mm. took it further because mm. they both had experience of that, which mm. is pleasant. Michael E. Bryant because he 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 studied it for Blood Money. Yeah. And and Mikhail because not Mikhail um, Nitzer because mm. she was army trained mm. and well Nicholas Young was just along for the ride I think mm. he was having a whale of a time on the series but mm. uh, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I don't know anything about his training he certainly used mm. to 
What was it? Jaunt a lot? <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly wear natty belts. <laughs> natty belts. Yes, I have natty belt training. Does that help anyone? In, no? in episode no? two, Alan Doby in the woods is wearing a natty hat. So there's a lot of nattiness. <laughs> <laughs> natty is a good word. It's not used enough. Indeed. Uh, but yeah, episode yeah. two is a, is more of a, a spy thriller, I think. It, you've got, yes. You've got, I mean, you get the assassination of the TV man. You get Alan Doby getting the window shot out of his car you know, by an assassin. Yeah. There's an awful lot of sort of sort of skullduggery afoot, you know. Uh, and again, it's, it's kind of interesting that, you know, it, it has a feel about it. But again, it's kind of like, it's kind of like this week we've decided we're a spy thriller, whereas last week we were something else and next week we'll be something else. There's a very, it's a kind of inconsistency in style, I find, across Kessler, which is either very good or very troubling. I mean, maybe it keeps the viewer interest, but it, it, I, I remember thinking specifically when I was watching episode six that it's actually very hard to believe that this all started off back in Belgium five yes. weeks ago. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't feel... You actually have to think very hard of where have we come in this. Yeah, you know, and yet it has that, it has that great um, canvas, mm. but somehow doesn't feel epic. Mm. Yeah, I don't know why. I, it, it's, you know, yeah. it's just one of those strange and peculiar things. Um, but like I say, I mean, the TV man is killed using one of these like brolly poison things, as far as I can. Yes, see. which is is very more modern, isn't it? That's mm. very of today that mm. that's a real thing. Mm. Yes, and we also get a scene in that where actually Nick and um, Ingrid are. Sorry, Nick, I should say. Hans, isn't it? Hans and Nick, uh, Ingrid. I keep giving that, yeah. Hans and Friends. Ingrid are in bed. Franz. Franz. Franz? Any friends? Uh, Franz, yes. Franz Hoss. Yes. I, yes. Hans Frost. I, I'm getting it back to front. That's all right. Um, but in they... the book, in the book, he's Franz Melikar Hoss. Ah. And Melikar is dropped because he was actually partly Jewish in his ancestry and that's one of the reasons he spits so hard mm. against the Jews because he's trying to hide the fact that mm. he's actually a Jew himself which is interesting but, but basically um, Franz uh, has this scene where he, where he actually basically says that these old Nazis terrify him they actually are terrifying yeah. people are we going to take on your father and Colonel Ruckert are we going to take on the Kameradenweg we may have to is there any possibility as I see it You're frightened of them, aren't you? Yes, I'm frightened of them. Anyone who isn't is a fool. Maybe old men, but they've got younger arms, longer arms, and they're everywhere. They play games. So they're old men playing games. It's a hell of a game. And they're good at it. And they're good at it. So are we. Ingrid, we're amateurs. Kameradenvex, an organisation in depth, goes back layer on layer. Do you know who's one of them and who isn't? I don't, but they do. It's like it's branded into them. Something larger than life and not quite natural. Scares the hell out of me, even though I work for them. Uh, and there's an awful lot of toing and froing. Uh, Dorf's supposed to be going to London, but he manages to get rid of, at the airport, he manages to get rid of his tail, so he, he goes off to Zurich to make some arrangements about money and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it's, it's a very, very uh, exposition-heavy series. Yeah, but, it is. You have to concentrate. But uh, in the end, because this girl keeps pursuing him, he effectively blows his own cover by calling a hit on her. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. whereas um I, and and so she is actually grabbed off the street uh Mikal, yeah in in london and it's like yeah. nobody cares. She's screaming. <laughs> nobody in London. Yes. And I know that there's. That, I think that's where, where that's very true in London, though, isn't it? <laughs> well, Kessler says at one point, you know, uh, you know, all these Nazi hunters uh, in Be- in Belgium or wherever they're based, or in Germany or wherever they're based, you know. And then he actually, um, she sort of says, "Oh, well, I'll go to London. Nobody gives a rat's. <laughs> nobody cares about me there. Nobody cares yeah. if I'm a Nazi or what. They just want me money. I think basically is the general gist of it." But yeah. we get at the end of this, um, so she is grabbed off the street, and um, and there's a there's a torture sequence, and she's bunged in the river. Basically, we assume that that she is no more; she is dead. Like, she like her friend in the previous episode. Uh, we've had the killing of the week is her. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention in this episode was the music for mm. the scene um, with the Kinderzainen, the scenes from childhood music. Mm. Which oh, is... we get the photo flashback, don't we? Yeah, which is kind of Kessler's touchstone in his mm. past, and why what he holds most dear, rather than mm. Madeline, is this is this music this mm. time with his mother, and and of course all the other stuff. Um, mm. Is it here where we get to see him as as a younger man at thirty-ish or something, or uh, in, is that later? I think that's later. The, the black and white. Yeah, that's later. Yeah, but yeah. the uh, you get the photo the photo book at this point because the photo book becomes again one of those things that it's how he remembers his wife and then basically um Bro- uh, Rookett, isn't it Rookett? <laughs> yeah. orders it burned and he's and, he, and, he, and he's so furious he says just, he says that's just evil and you think well you know that's an evil act he says and you think well you'd know mate you'd know what an evil act is yeah exactly but he doesn't see it does he no? he's, he's furious but he cannot, cannot take responsibility mm. and is that ultimately just cuz Kessler is is a narcissist, you know? Mm. I think that's part of I it. I think he's a, part he's of a very blinkered, uh, you know, vision of the world, yeah. I think, and that's the thing. Yeah. And, and again, it's that sense of entitlement that says, uh, I really want everybody else to change, but I want my life to be left exactly as it is. I don't want to have to change this. You've destroyed them. All of them. But there were pictures of my wife. And pictures of you in uniform. That was an evil act. I have no record left of Madeline. Your record of Madeline could have destroyed us all and our hopes for the future. She was my wife. I loved her. I had to keep some reminder of her. And endanger your comrades. You've never loved anyone. Oh, you've had many women, but love? You have no real feeling. I felt pain when I lost this. I felt lost when my comrades died in battle. No, you enjoyed your war. You, the great Rocket, a legend in his own time, you're still enjoying being a hero. I had to do the dirty work. Oh, it's much easier to kill a man in battle than to sign his death warrant in your office. Very well, my desk hero. It is now time for Dorf to disappear. If you look at Kessler as a whole, is actually what you get here is a, a, the, the downfall of the man played out. And and you actually certainly the scenes in South America, you actually sort of think, you know, how far he's fallen. You know, he's sharing this ratty bedroom with with Ruckert at one point, and it looks yeah. like a prison cell. He's been actually held prisoner uh, because of various by the other Nazis. And you just think, yeah. God, it's it's just you know you all that you had and all that you've lost, and you're now in this ratty, horrible, you know, sweaty. Yeah, hellhole, really, you know. Yeah, 
Yeah. I just must talk about the photo album mm. because my most me- one of the most memorable elements. It's on the DVD set, time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Of all that time was that I ha- actually was given the photo album at a meal with Clifford mm. to to take away mm. and scan. So I remember vividly being on the underground with it mm. and feeling like I was perhaps in an extra episode of Kessley you'd never seen where I was with the photo album and I had to take it back home without being seen by anyone. Mm. And I just remember being so nervous of carrying this absolutely precious proper mm. own. And um, yeah, that was that was an amazing mm. thing. Um, and it's a gorgeous album as mm. well. And they'd recreated so many photographs mm. of Kessler mm. from, you know, they weren't done very well because it's nineteen. Well, listen, but... some of the Photoshop's a little bit, or it's not even Photoshop, is it? It's, uh, it's photo <coughs> yeah, compositing. Been, yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Mm. But the fact that they brought, brought Hazel back just to take photographs mm. is just wonderful. I hope they paid her a full episode fee. <laughs> well, I think they will have done because cause Hazel knew what she was worth. Let me just say that. Mm. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, in, uh, uh, yes. So when we get to episode three, uh, yes, uh, Mikael is rescued from the river and is taken to an MI five flat. Where one of the things that made me smile was this whole thing about paying the milk bill. Yeah, <laughs> Alan Doby says, "Oh yeah, you have to do anything, but you have to pay the milk bill yourself." <laughs> Here's a. <laughs> I just so that's just so wonderfully MI five. There's a lovely bit where Tom. Uh, Harold Innocent's character turns up, and he's carrying a bunch of flowers for a meeting. Yeah, and he and he and he's offered a cup of coffee, and he goes, "Only if it's the Malay blend." <laughs> yes, and I just thought, yeah, that's that's kind of that that sums up really the the kind of country club aspect of our security services. <laughs> and I think it just shows how much detail there is in Kessler. Mm. There are so many little moments like that which they've thought about mm. and made sure are in there, which is, is surprising. Mm. The, a, a, a note I made was about how when Mikhail wakes up and she's got all of her dynasty-style hair and makeup mm. immaculate despite everything she's been through. Mm. She's got a tiny cut on her lip and it's like, well, that's not very realistic. Mm. Well, she's been horribly yeah. tortured, hasn't she? And, and it's interesting yeah. because there's also a line that uh, I think it's Kessler's line, which is, you know, when when they're sort of saying, oh, well, you know, what when the body's found, he's just saying, oh, every night in every large city, girls like that just get killed, like it doesn't matter, and nobody's going to care yeah. about her at all, you know. Yeah, yeah. I did love the bit where I think I love Macal the most in the whole of the series mm. is when she. It's like kind of Bowers kind of warning her off and she's willfully misinterpreting it. And when she says, very well, I will work with you when, you know, that's not what he's saying. He's like saying, no, you've got to leave this alone. She's like, no, I will. I'll, I'll do this and we'll get Kessler. And she's very much goading him into it as well. And I think that's fascinating. Um, yeah. And I love the fact that she follows Kessler all the way to Paris yes. and Bauer just thinks she's out shopping. Where they're actually in the same railway station. You know, Kessler's yeah. try, doing one one of his little. I mean, there's, the, there's this wonderful thing with the uh, the taxi, or the where they want to monitor his conversation, so they bug the taxi. But but they hmm. they do all this again, sort of spycraft to, and he stops and says, "Oh, I must buy some cigars," and and he's off on the train, you know, and and he yes. just misses her in the same shop. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> Which is not a nice touch. I mean, I don't know what would yeah. happen if they'd come face to face at that point, but. You know. Yeah, because there's also a nice touch right at the start of the serial because you have um, you f- one of the first times you see Mikal and 
and Bauer mm. is, I think, one of them's getting out of, I think Bauer's getting out of his car, mm. but across the street from her and they don't see each other. It's kind of something they, they do a few times in well, this. Well, I, I think there's a, there's a lot of little parallel touches, actually, in the storytelling, which which does make it actually seem cleverer uh, than I may have implied earlier. But, I mean, you could argue that the, the two main events, the two main killings, if you like, that happen uh, in the course of the story are both about mistaken identity yeah you know and that part so that is a fore a foreshadowing in the first episode of what happens in the last episode if, yeah uh, if you see yeah. what i mean so there is a kind yeah. of there's lots of parallels going on you know i mean it's interesting for example that bauer's assistant is he he doesn't make it out of episode three yeah. You know, uh, and and there's a, there's again another brutal killing on the street. And it's actually quite nastily done, that isn't it? The the dragging him out of the car, beating him up, and running him over. That's kind of yeah. <laughs> and and but actually, and I mean, Michael on Lee... screen, it, it's quite shocking. You know. Yeah, and Michael e. Bryant wanted to make it even worse, and it was cut. Ah, um, there was like you could actually hear the bump as they went Squishy over melon him. And... Or something. Yes, mm. they, he was wanting to make it much more graphic. Um, I did want to mention before we move out, out, out of episode three, mm. Gidney, um, Jeremy Wilkin has two really good lines mm. that he's he's given that are memorable. Okay. Um, first is about Kessler himself. Curious man had men and women tortured to obtain information. Jews sent to concentration camps mm. to die in gas chambers. Yet loved his wife deeply. Mm. And that sums up the oh, absolutely the para- yeah. paradox that is Kessler. And the other one is um, when he's warning Bauer, and he says. Those Nazis can be quite unpleasant. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my God! Understatement of the yes. century. Yes. I actually think the MI5 stuff. I, I don't know if you remember the sketches, the Fry and Laurie sketches, where they used to yeah. control. There were moments in it where I was getting a very control vibe, and I did wonder whether whether Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie were watching Kessler when they yeah. were writing. Yeah. I, I, I mean, there's some wonderful moments with Ruckert actually. That's the other thing. I mean, where where he would you know because Rookert was a, a a flying ace, wasn't he? Who was uh, who has his strangely twitchy false <laughs> yes. hand and mm. um, and false leg, which he has to do that click at the which again. Oh really, yeah. When you think of um, the spoofs that have been done since, it's actually quite. I, I don't know whether this is the source of it. But... Yeah, uh, Rooker is really interesting. Um, mm. He is actually based on Hans Rudel. Yes, yeah, so he's one of the characters. Of the Nazis, who is the most based on an actual person? Yes, so he was kind of like the Luftwaffe's ace of aces, and he had been so brave and done so many amazing things from the, the Nazi point of view. The the a new um, set of words and a new honor were bestowed upon him that was completely unique: mm. the golden oak wreath with swords and diamonds to the Knight's Cross of the Iron. Wow. Of the Iron Cross. Blimey. Yeah. Bit over the top. Bit, bit bling. <laughs> <laughs> bit bling. But he was, um, yeah, Rudel was, was Rookert, basically. He was absolutely mm. the same person. But he was a real fanatical Nazi who mm. who actually helped finance all the, the German industrialists and everything. And he mm. was kind of very much a part of the Odessa um, mm. and the Kameraden work. Um, Although, considering uh, what Kessler did to a German flying hero in the last few episodes of <laughs> Secret Army. You can't can't quite work out how they're such big buddies. Really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We do get a flashback on that, don't we? We do get a mention of uh, what 
the uh, the events of the um, the uh, the, uh, the camp where where the uh, the trial took place and the execution. Oh, yeah, it actually gets mentioned in this. Yeah, yeah. it's a nice throwback to uh, Secret Army. Yeah. So episode four comes along yeah. with guest star Oscar Quitak. <laughs> yes, I mean he's actually he's he's there as a special guest star, I believe. Yeah, yeah, and. I mean, he's he is just brilliant because Mengele. It's terrifying that you get Mengele because mm. Mengele is just such a hideous figure, and I think mm. he does so well at at portraying this craven individual who has absolutely no redeeming qualities whatsoever. And was it you? You'll you'll I'll give you enough money for your cigars and little girls. Yeah, is a line that's in which there tells you everything. But the fact that he was just he was just pursuing things completely. Mm. callously throughout the war in such a disgusting horrific way mm. he's the worst of the nazis and it's mm. like in it's, it's really funny because like kessler is like oh he's a dreadful man sort of thing and it's like again he doesn't see that mm. within him he was he was dreadful but it's all about different mm. his moral code is somehow higher mm. he thinks i have no children as you know i would like to have given life the world is full enough mingler Besides, the deficit you created more than compensates for credit entries in the great book of life, does it not? Enough of that. I want to ask you, my friend, would it be possible for you to make a small person advance to me from your own resources, of course? Life is becoming so expensive here. They bleed us. And Bormann's so tight-fisted. He always was. But he has no right to keep us all deprived. He knows we all depend upon his party funds. Oh, he has no idea what it is like for us here. I cannot take an employment of any permanence. Why not? Because I have to be ready to move at a moment's notice. I have been on the run for 30 years. I am the most wanted of all the so-called war criminals. Because I serve my Fuhrer in exterminating his enemies and benefiting medical science. But they come and they come, and always they want to kill me. Now we change directors, don't we, for episode four and five to Tristram de Vircol. Yes, right? Tristram de Vircol. Yeah, episodes four and five. Um, mm. So that Michael E. Bryant can have a bit of a rest. Yes, he was asked. To, he was asked to do the whole thing. And mm. Bryant had just come off Blood Money. He was like, "No, I'm knackered, mm. mate." I'll, mm. I'll come back to do the finale because I'll set it all up. I'll come back to do the finale, but I can't do all of it. And he, yeah. I remember him saying he was really pleased that he did that because he would he would have died. He thinks <laughs> trying to do mm. it all. Yeah. So the the basically the next two episodes are the um, the Paraguay uh, sequences, really, aren't they? Yeah. They are, and they are very different in style, as we mentioned earlier. But they were filmed in Spain, is that right? Yes, in Almeria. Yeah, mm -hmm. and. I think so it is a spaghetti western yeah. because actually there are moments in this. I mean, certainly when they start putting the ponchos and the hats. On. Well, there's <laughs> that silly moment. It's there? become a cowboy film when there's silly bit with McCall and Bauer, and it's kind of cute that they're going mm. along and in their gear, but it's kind of, and they have the mm. silly spaghetti western music, but it's kind of also mm. a bit silly, and it's one of those elements where oh, I don't know whether I can take this seriously, you know. But then there's something about this whole pursuit of the Nazis, which feels theatrical in real life. Mm. It feels heightened and mm. somehow almost silly, but it's not. Mm. It's real, but it's, I don't mm. know, I can't, because they were really were Nazi hunters, you know, and there mm. really were these people who did this. 
I think there's a very good shorthand, though. The other thing about this is is that you get lots of um, what's I like wild track footage, street life mm-hmm. footage, oh, which I know is obviously has been faked, and it gives our young Nazis the opportunity to show how arrogant they are and how unpleasant they are when, when you know with when i think you see the legless is it legless woman getting going to church and, mm. and she's just so dismissive of that belief and sort of calls them cretin ignorant cretins yeah. i think you know so so it, it's actually it's it's very deftly handled i find that sort of you know you just get these moments of of paraguay life i know fake paraguay life but you do get these just shots and and it and and the the contrast between the Nazi, the the German sort of approach, and the and the sort of more laid back South American approach, and you think, why on earth did they all end up there? And of course, that is addressed in the dialogue. They ended up there because, uh, yeah, we like their money, and and you know we have no extradition treaty, and yeah, uh, yeah, we'll take their money. But equally, if someone gets rid of them, we'll take their money as well. You know, they bring people here. What do you think of Ikeras, played by Guy Rolf? Oh, he's the very, very tall man. Yes. The very, very tall man in the suits. Yes, mm. he'd been Oberst von Elmendorf in Secret Army. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, I love... But he wasn't the same character. He no. Was, he was no. actually playing a South American, yeah. wasn't he? In this? But what I love is Ruckert's line to him, why do you spend all your time in this one room when you have such mm. an enormous house? And of course the answer <laughs> is a BBC budget, but it's... <laughs> It's kind of pointing fun at the production itself, which is mm. rather clever. Um, yes, like that. Uh, the world is still being divided up by old white men in rooms. I mean, there's a one, there's a wonderful sequence where a whole row of old Nazis interview Kessler. Yeah. And he's got his little chair there, and he's got his sort of like uh, interview panel, and he's kind of like, so how did how did you uh, why why is all this happening? And he's like, well this girl found me and someone exposed me what the hell can I do about that <laughs> exactly and he's so furious to being interviewed by Mengele of all people he's mm. absolutely livid about that yes. um, mm. and yeah as I said earlier he's like you know you were saying about oh well Mengele murdered thousands he was a mm. butcher for his own perverted amusement and and yeah that's not okay with Kessler whereas mm. all the stuff he did he, co- he completely can sleep at night there was a very interesting uh, thing actually that happened to me watching episode 4 and it was because I was actually sat there watching that sequence and thinking I'm asking the question myself well, so why why did these Nazis why did they let Kessler handle all the money of all people and then Mengler asks exactly the same question <laughs> That's really weird. And I thought, oh, oh, it's not just me then. They obviously think the viewers will be saying this. Why him? Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was quite fun, you know. But I think, like, how Secret Army is trying to show that amongst the Germans, that, like, like kind of Brandt's the good guy and mm. Reinhardt and mm. Kessler's the bad guy. But yet, yeah. in this series, it takes it a stage further and is saying, well, actually, within the Nazi factions, Kessler's the good guy and then you've got Mengele. And and Rucker. and then on the other side you've got the neo Nazis who are even more fervent and horrendous, um, Ingrid and France, and it's like, and they're more anti Semitic, and it's it's so interesting that they're trying to show the the layers amongst all these people, and that's really clever, but it's mm. it's a dangerous tightrope to walk because the mm. danger is that sometimes it could be seen as well not pro Nazi, but mm. but. It can sometimes excuse the characters a bit. You can think, well, 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 actually, are they okay based on this other person's even yeah. worse? 
you know? Well, you get a lot of debate throughout this of why are we pursuing them? Why are we doing this? I mean, there's a, there's a whole thing about in this episode, you know, that where the old Nazis are waiting for Germany to rise again and, and welcome them back. And, and the basically he says, well, Germany's not calling. It doesn't want you. Yeah. It doesn't want you. And they have to actually have their eyes open to the fact that they're hiding away half a world away. Uh, in living like rats in you know quite well furnished rats but living out of the spotlight and plotting for their return which modern germany is just not at that point in history interested in at all yeah. it doesn't want them back they're, they're a stain and you know Dobie's character is there to actually remind us that that germany's conscience it, 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 it's moved on and it's trying to move on but it has this stain in its history that it wants to wash away yeah and and that's why i think my biggest criticism of the whole series is mm. that it would have been great if we could have just seen more of the neo-Nazi movement, the threat of that, and what Ingrid was actually propping up and leading. Because if we just had one rally, one moment where we felt, oh, this is actually a, a new threat, because the Kameradans, you know, shown to be, yeah, this is not going to happen. This is old men, you know, in, in Paraguay. And this is never going to be. They're never going to see the Targ. But mm. for Ingrid and Franz, it, it, it seems more real. And I just want to know... How real is that? Because they've certainly got the money, 48 million Deutschmark mm. or whatever it is. So mm. I just think the, the series should have done something to show that that was a real threat so it felt mm. more compelling. I think the other interesting aspect of that, though, is that they are... The new Nazis, the youngsters, are not trusted, but they are. They come across as being a bit rubbish. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, uh, there's a scene in again is is where Rooker is is, is actually um, he orders a hit on, you know, he says right we're going to get rid of the Israeli girl mm. and the uh, and and Bauer once and for all and he and he and he summons his his young stormtroopers yeah just, and I just wrote down it's Rooker and the and the rubbish new Nazis <laughs> they were just they were just crap <laughs> which again maybe is. Maybe that's the thing. All of these regimes, they fall apart because people are a bit rude. <laughs> yes, well, I think that I love, I rather love that. that yes. That's kind of good. I, I did really enjoy um, De Vickle's direction um, mm. when he chose to marry Kessler's dialogue. Um, the tardy realisation that the dream is not to be fulfilled. There is no forthright and there mm. never will be. And De Vickle mm. lingers on a shot of Ruckert's prosthetic leg just to mm. show how immobile the Cameradon are. It's touches mm. like that that remind me, oh, my God, these directors are brilliant. They know exactly what they're doing mm. here. That's not a... Yeah, there's so many good things in this and mm. so many real human things mm. that I, I forget I forget are here. You know, so you've got this old men with a nostalgia for something, a time that was actually awful. Yeah. But they, they see it as glorious. Because they were important, briefly. They were important. Mm. And they had status. Well, is that thing even even when they're watching the videotape in episode one, where how they all stiffen when when Hitler the, the yeah. Hitler footage comes on, and you feel that they're almost they're almost about to to do the salute at the television. You know, again beautifully yeah. played uh, that sense that you know they are they are they're still full of this arrogance and pride that from yeah. thirty years ago. I do wonder if sometimes Kessler fails because not every 
not everyone within it is taking it seriously in terms of even just characters. Like, because even Bauer himself says, mm. I look bloody silly in this cowboy getup in this episode. And you kind of mm. think, don't say that because that mm. makes it makes it feel bloody silly. Looks bloody silly, doesn't it? I think John Wayne's memory is safe enough. You want me to wear this? Oh, it's necessary, senorita. The Alasar is not a good place to be. The sun makes the hills into deserts. You do not wear a hat. You become some sand in the desert. It's true. I have arranged horses for you. You must leave soon and reach the Alasar while there is still light. Go as far as you can before making camp so there is small distance to travel in the morning. Yeah, well, Roger Moore could have carried off a gaucho hat, and I think he did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I get that. But then again, I mean, if that's, I mean, if it's, if it's scripted dialogue or whether it's, it's a, you know, it's debatable, isn't it? But uh, whether it actually, you know, it's the sort of thing somebody would say, but it possibly punctures the drama. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we moving on to episode five? We might as well. Yes. Yeah. In the desert. Yes. So where does this start? This is the um, is this the big action sequence? Well, this yeah, I mean, this is where uh, they uh, Kessler's going off for his meeting with Martin Borman. Yes. Or at least, or Martin Borman's arm. Yes. Uh, yes. Which is it's a good budgetary decision, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. in, in a series of again increasingly crap cars. <laughs> I've noticed. I've noticed. There's been a definite the downfall in the quality of the vehicles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's a deliberate. <laughs> well, I think they had terrible tr- trouble in Almeria because the 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 mm. person who they had as the fixer um, mm. couldn't fix, and mm. he was apparently hated by everyone in in mm. the area and regarded as mm. as a nuisance. And they didn't actually have the right people employed to do all the work. And I think mm. getting equipment and and stuff was was a problem because of this. And mm. Yes. I think the main thing, though, because, I mean, this is really the action episode, yeah. but I think the the, intro, the, the the sort of main sort of overall arcing thing is that that uh, Mikael's character, she only... Her, her focus is purely on getting Kessler. Yeah. You know, and she... And, and she has, you know, the opportunity here to get Borman, to get Mengler. I know. <laughs> and she's... And she's kind of no, no, I'm not interested in any of that stuff. That stuff, blah, 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 you know, these names you've heard of. But no, he he killed my mother. <laughs> yes, and then you realise it's just personal, yeah, rather than yeah, rather than Israeli fanaticism, you know. And I vein. think you get this interesting thing now because again, at this stage in the storyline, Mikal is prepared to use a sniper's rifle. Yeah, but when she actually has him. Uh, at gunpoint later on in the story, yeah, she she doesn't want to do it close up and personal. She doesn't want to do that. She can't bring herself to to shoot him through the head with a pistol. Yeah, and that I think is an interesting thing that that people are quite not say happy, but they're able to do these things at uh, remotely if you like yeah. for, at a distance. But when it comes to actual sort of one on one with a real human being that you know is in the room with you that's a very different situation yeah absolutely and i think that's a really interesting aspect and message yeah mm. yes but also the whole hit doesn't work because Doby falls down a well yes exactly that's quite well done i think that fall i quite like that mm. yeah 
but again, it's it's quite wordy, and there's a lot of exposition about post-war history. That you get the this is the episode in which you get the flashbacks. Yes. So you are Ludwig Kessler. The fatherland is well pleased with you, Kessler. You are a credit to the National Socialist Movement. I am delighted to welcome you into the SS. And you also get a scene which is quite weird because uh, no animals were harmed in the filming of this pro, no creatures were harmed. But you, a cock, cockroach, he actually crushes a cockroach. Yeah. And, and I think that is a significant moment when we actually see Kessler because I think, again, when he does sort of put his boot down and crush this cockroach, he, on some level, it's kind of giving us an insight into... The whole Kessler personality, really. Yeah. He sees, he sees, well, the Jews, the, um, you know, the the resistance people in Secret Army, but everybody who's interfering with his life, he just sees them as cockroaches. Yeah, I think that's absolutely the point. That is the metaphor, and they're just not mm. significant to him. He's not thinking about the impact. Mm. Yeah, and I, I, like, I like when he breaks from his reverie, and mm. you know, he's. He's expecting the Führer to be standing there in front of him. Um, well, he, again, this is the the age thing, isn't it? You, 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 he's starting to creep into that, uh, you know, the memories and the nostalgia yeah. are starting to... I may, maybe his actual, you know, his mind is going. Because, I mean, again, when you consider the businessman he was four or five episodes ago, how far down he's come to, to being in a room with cockroaches. Yeah, know? yeah. And I think he is, um, his journey in the last two episodes is very much mm. like, you know, it turns a corner because he allies himself with Ingrid and, mm. and cuts off ties with the Camaraden because he realises it's not going to happen. But you know, really, he doesn't really believe this is going to work. And he, it's kind of this desperation that he thinks, oh, you know, hope over experience that this actually might happen and he might be this figurehead and all this sort of stuff but well you get more and more don't you you get more and more sense in episode five specifically that the old guard are he starts to realize that they are these empty husks they are hollow men yeah. they are uh basically they want the money so yeah. they can live a bit better exactly. they're not really interested in in the the next reich into which he's 
supposedly what they're talking about. They're not interested in the power thing. Really. Yeah. What they want is nice, nice curtains yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and it comes down to money on both sides in the end because the neo Nazis mm. are only interested in the money, really. And mm. and the same with the Camaraden. And it's just interesting how everything in human nature comes down to money. And I think that's a, mm. as a message. Here. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And we do get the the black and white flashbacks. So we get uh, dark haired Kessler and. Uh, and uh, <laughs> meeting is is that um, who is that who's the officer he meets when he goes to to join the SS or whatever it is? Oh yeah, I should know that because I thought it was somebody significant in a very very small role. And I was... It's meant to be it's meant to be Himmler, isn't it? The, yeah, yeah. Richard Addison is the person who oh, okay. played him. But there's a rather nice story about um, the Kinderzane and the the Schumann piece. Mm. Um, in that Clifford couldn't play the piano, but he was determined to play the piano for... Right. And he learnt it, like, a note at a time. And right. So he actually played it fluently in the end for the series. But... Wrote little numbers on the on the. Well, keys. I think it was kind, One, two, it was kind three, of like five. that. So he could yeah. effectively mm. play it. He absolutely wanted to play it. and He, had to, he mm. was that committed. He wanted to learn it. But he kind of almost learnt it by rote. And you do get an awful lot of piano sequences in things where someone's just behind yes. the piano and, and their arms are flying yeah, up. But he was determined like that. that it was going to be him. Yeah. So, um, but the thing is, when he actually did it in the studio, he kind of had this um, teaching on the side, secretly, mm. so that Michael thought he was, was fluent, uh, was a fluent mm. pianist. And, you know, in fact, mm. he wasn't. He'd, he'd been practising secretly so mm. he could just do it, which so is the commitment of Clifford Rose, you know, to a part. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so well, I know he's. A, I know he's a good pal of yours, wasn't he, Clifford? Um, oh, honestly, yeah. it's just really sad because mm. I mean we would go to the theatre with him like regularly and mm. see him in things. And we'd have a meal afterwards so many times, mm. and mm. he was a proper proper friend and mm. nothing like Kessler, but also the, the sort of gentle. He was kind of like the the Madeline side of Kessler. That's who we mm. knew. He was always mm. he was always so polite and kind and generous and loving mm. and and that's who he really was. Mm. But we never ever saw the steel ever. I don't remember one moment where I ever saw the steel, and he was just it was absolutely just a part. But it was a part that was so important to him. I remember his joy when he rang me up um, from from Stratford where he lived and said. I've seen copies of Kessler in Smith's or wherever it was. <laughs> he was just like, he's like, do you know what position it is in the chart? And I'm like, I, I've no idea. Um, he said, well, I didn't buy a copy because I just, I just thought I'd leave it there for someone else to buy. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought that was so lovely. He, mm. he, you know, he would often read. Yeah, it's, it's such a lovely man playing such a monster. Yeah, it, it does kind of. It is. Well, I know that's acting, but yeah, but it. it it's still, yeah, it's surprising, isn't it? Yeah, it's and it was really the making of him, and it made so much mm. of his life, and he was really great. Was it his biggest role, would you say? Because uh, Snell yeah. was quite yeah. high profile, wasn't um, he? But... I mean, he was almost the lead in that series, Buccaneer, that followed Secret Army, that flopped. Mm. But, um, mm. yeah, he, mm. yeah, it was, it was the part. But... Mm. I mean, the sad thing was he was going to write his autobiography for us mm. um, to, to mm. publish. But then mm. his wife got dementia and he was just oh. too upset about his wife having dementia. His, I, I kind of feel like Kessler's relationship with Madeline was not unlike his relationship with his wife, who he absolutely doted on. And as soon as she went, he kind of lost the, the will to, to, to focus on something like that. But I, I often wish I'd 
moved a bit earlier and we'd got his autobiography out because he had he'd worked with so many fascinating people and of course he'd been in the RSC mm. for years so he'd worked with all the greats. Mm. Mm. Yeah, anyway. Yes, I'm making the party fortune available to your group, not the old guard. What about the Reichsleiter? We need Bormann and his token. I already have the necessary token. We are ready to move, my dear. This time we have the means and your friends have the will. And you will guide us. Yes. Such, such a yeah. I mean, again, it's such a giant, really. And and like I say, I mean, unfortunately, they they failed to mention it on the BBC when he went, oh, which is honestly, you know, which which I know upset his family because I got a tweet from them saying so when I when I said so. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I thought they should, they should at least have uh, uh, acknowledged him. But there we go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, so we get we get to the end of episode five. We, uh, we get the sound of drums, don't we? We get this oh, fiesta going. Oh, on, I love which that. Which I know is a lot of foretelling. Going oh, I love on. this cliffhanger because it's this. The, you've got these ascension festival celebrations mm. and all this dramatic drumming, and it's also about the new Nazi dawn and the the new possibility. Mm. And it's kind of really terrifying ending, and I think brilliantly mm. done. It's the best cliffhanger cliffhanger in the series, I think. Mm. So uh, we get into episode six, the final episode, uh, and Kessler wakes up having his, his uh, from his nights of jail and and asks if he can borrow his daughter's toothbrush. I know, bless, bless. That's very Clifford. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that's very Clifford. <sighs> I just thought that was a, an interesting character moment, really, because I mean, again, maybe it's come, come how far you've fallen where you actually having to borrow your daughter's toothbrush. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's also like, oh, they're very close. Aren't they? <laughs> Yeah. But sadly, it doesn't work out well for Ingrid or indeed uh, Tomorrow People John. <laughs> tomorrow People so, John. He will always be Tomorrow People John. Yeah. I'm afraid he will. Yeah. I, I know that's probably very unfair. Obviously. No, it's yeah. fine. But I think to, if you grew up in the 70s, you know, it's it's still it's still lovely John. Yes, lovely John lovely as a horrible Nazi. <laughs> it really does. So he gets a lovely action sequence uh, as he runs down the stairs with the machine gun, although he doesn't get to fire it. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I think but at least it looks good. Their deaths are quite surprising, aren't they? And ironic. I think the interesting thing is that Rooker, Rooker orders the hit, yeah. arranges the hit, sends the rubbish Nazis, and <laughs> the rubbish Nazis are so rubbish they can't even work out who they're supposed to be shooting. Them. Yeah. So, so, but at the same time, it's this wrong place, wrong time thing, which I think is interesting. That 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 uh, basically. Ingrid has also evil Nazi decided she's going to dispose of the Jewish girl, as she puts it, uh, or she doesn't put it even quite that. Uh, it's a much uh, more unpleasant way of referring to her. But she, she, she and uh, Franz go off to also deal with them, and she opens the windows of the room, and and the, and the Nazi doesn't doesn't even think about oh it might be somebody else and it might be the cleaner you know <laughs> bang. But that's again what your point about the sniper uh, that they just mm. will just you know there's more the distance yeah. gives you the permission to fire. Yes. I wonder where she is. Maybe we've got the wrong room.
Open the shutters, will you? mistaken identity of her friend in the first yeah. episode yeah, yeah. Uh, basically uh, again somebody else gets shot instead of me cal have you noticed that there's a sort of there's a kind of pattern here she's one of those people yes in history that everybody around her who's aiming to shoot her yeah. is missing she's, she's gonna be fine and i think alison yeah. glennie plays dead really well i think that's a really... it's a heck of a stunt as well yeah the uh, pullback from the window isn't it i mean she's i mean she's properly whipped back across the room. That was Gareth Milne, who um, I think he was Cranley in Black Orchid and did that oh, right. fall and everything. It's the same stuntman. Um, yes. Uh, I think I did. I did spot. Was it Terry Walsh in an earlier episode? Oh, very oh, likely. I, I, I certainly. Or uh, a, a definitely a definite uh, Doctor Who stuntman. It's a scene with a BT van where the monitoring. He just gets in the van. I thought, He's a stuntman. Why is <laughs> yeah. the van exploding? But well, the van didn't explode. So <laughs> maybe it did in a different cut. Right. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. I, I've got a question for you about Ingrid. Do you think she was mm. three-dimensional enough, or was she just too cardboard cut-out Nazi? I think there's a. I, I, it's again. It's one of those things because she is properly evil Nazi, and she does get to say a lot of those um, horrible lines but for some reason I, I don't know what it is on screen it's difficult to, to connect with her. maybe it's she's very uh, you can say maybe so it's a cold character so it's very difficult yeah. to empathize I don't feel anything at all I know obviously uh, uh, Kessler gets very upset uh, yeah. about that you know it sort of feel oh that's a shame well that's an interesting no. I'd like to see more of that character no. you just think oh well, I mean, it's surprising how early in the episode it happens. Yes, it really is. Yeah, it's and of like... course, all of all of Kessler's hopes and dreams of sort of bringing forth the new Germany or the new Nazism uh, has have been sort of placed on her shoulders. But it surprises me that <clears throat> for so much of the rest of the episode, she's already gone. Yeah, you know, the, it's not. It, it, it's sort of, dr dramatically the, the the you feel that well a lot of this. It, Maybe if it was later in the episode, it would have felt more, you know, ah, uh, ha ha, your, your, your plans have been foiled. But you sort of, because you know they've already been foiled, a lot of all the other stuff feels a bit flat afterwards, really. So maybe, I mean, maybe that's the thing. Maybe it does feel flat. So, yes, you do miss her. But it's just interesting. I don't think you feel any sense of, I don't, I mean, it's not like you go, well, hey, the old bitch is no, gone or whatever. No. You know, no, neither do you go, oh, that's a shame. No. I'm going to miss that character. No. It's just sort of, oh, that happened. I think it's kind of that pointlessness. Yes, it does kind of bring mm. into the rest of it. And you think, oh, well, that's mm. kind of a bit of a letdown in a sense. But mm. it also, I like the fact that that feels very realistic. That oh yeah, and and there's a and there's a wonderful irony yeah. to the whole. To, I mean, to ironic, to dramatically ironic, certainly. Yeah. And again, I mean, obviously, uh, but I think also at this stage in the story, you've got to start disposing of characters that you no longer need. Yeah, you know. But dramatically, I think it would have been interesting if Kessler had seen this for himself. I think that would have been more. Yeah. It witnessed it. You feel that it happens by removing. In fact, he only takes 
Bauer's word for it that she's been killed. He just says, oh, your daughter's dead. And he goes, oh, righto. You know, well, he obviously doesn't. He's upset. But but what I mean is you don't you don't feel that he. I, I it's it's not it doesn't feel personal enough. I mean, you know, it basically, you know, Bauer could have just lied to him. Yeah. And he doesn't question it. Mm. You know, there's no in in terms of the story structure, there's no oh really or well how did it happen or yeah. you know, it's just sort of oh, well I mean I know there's a bit of you know did she suffer or whatever but but it's just there's not much of that sense and I feel that if if she'd been at the house maybe and then something else had happened to cause that you know because I, but again I know I, you know it's hard to say I mean I think maybe if if France had been got but she somehow got to to, to try and warn him, but there was some other ironic reason why the you know the the Nazi she got run over by Ruckert's bus or something. <laughs> was was that Ruckert's bus that explodes? Is Ruckert in that? Oh, I don't I don't know. I can't decide. I, I was thinking because they make a big thing about that little minibus mm. when 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 the Nazis are fleeing the um you know their base yeah. and they packed everything up in trucks. That there's this big action sequence where this minivan gets blown yeah, up. Yeah, and Korea's away. And yeah. I kind of I'm kind of assuming that that's the minivan that Rucker was yeah. in, but you don't actually no, know. No. Um, one thing that I thought that should have been made more of mm. and it was it was really embarrassing actually back in two thousand and five mm. when I did the audio commentary on episode six, mm. which I did with, with Clifford and Michael. And right. Um, name dropping. No, that's that felt very, that felt, <laughs> felt very clangy. Sorry, I'm not listening to it. There's a booklet in here. I've not read that. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> um, I haven't read that booklet uh, for, for, <laughs> since then. And um, it's the fact that we were talking on the commentary about oh, why is everyone in such good clothes, and we'd all forgotten mm. that it was um, <laughs> that it was because it was Ascension Day. So the the Paraguayans right. were in all these. They've been asked. Well, the Armory and locals have been asked to wear their best clothes. That it was because it was Ascension mm. Day. It was a celebration day, a feast day, mm. and I think they could have done more to build on the fact that this was Ascension Day, and you've got this wonderful mm. juxtaposition that this is mm. the downfall of the Nazis' day, you know, mm. and that the the just that juxtaposition of Ascension mm. and downfall was, I think, was something they could have made more of, and the fact that we're in this commentary forgetting that was why they're all in such good clothes was, was... <laughs> it's actually well again this is the problem sometimes it's, it's sometimes difficult to see the bigger picture isn't it you just you do sort of focus on what you're seeing in front yeah. of you and, you and unless you've actually got the entire plot you know the, the five previous episodes in your head at the time I, there was a moment I, I did mean to mention um, yeah. when when our man in Havana or whatever his name is gets killed you know, the pigeon man who oh yes Gariga uh, yeah Nice little character part. Yes, but, Jean Moreno. But the, the only one really played with a proper, proper. Well, to say not proper, but one of those accents that we pe- people yes. have. Yes. Yeah. But it's it's just when they they come for him, the the bad Nazi, uh, the, the rubbish Nazi. <laughs> the rubbish Nazis. And they, and they and they start wrecking the hotel, the yeah. uh, Pension or whatever it's called. The uh, I just got a vibe. You know the enemy of the world thing. You know where people like to break things. Yes. It felt a very similar scene to yeah, yeah. You know, pe- people make nice things and other people come along and break them. And I thought it's just it's that scene. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's one of those things that you just sort of pick up on, I suppose, yeah. when you're an old sad old doctor who <laughs> yeah, exactly that, that. likes to see parallels yes, with everything. Exactly. That's what we are. 
Although interesting as well, when 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 finally it becomes aware, or Kessler becomes aware that his dream and what he's going to do with the money, and and Rucker and the and the other Nazis are, are running away, and he has no his power's gone. Yeah, uh, there's a moment where literally Rucker wraps him in the flag. Yes, he drapes on his shoulders, flag. doesn't he? Yeah. You know, and, and and when we talk these days about people being, you know, wrapping themselves in the flag, it actually literally happens in yeah. with the with the swastika flag. Yeah, yeah. Just I thought that was an interesting no, absolutely. Uh, moment to pick up on, really. And I love the those scenes in which Rucker and his guys are leaving, and mm. the room is is being emptied slowly, and it's kind mm. of like showing the downfall through the removal mm. of furniture, and it it does mean mm. that ultimately the the Newmont will be an enormous empty room, and I think that's really mm. clever dramatically. I shall require access to our files. You will get nothing from here. I demand to make use of whatever is necessary. Demand as much as you damn well want. You have betrayed our comrades, Kessler. I cannot forgive that. There are more important things than sentimental attachments. Oh, what, Kessler? What? Their Targ. <laughs> the glorious Targ we have all dreamed about does not exist. It's over. The parade has gone by, man. I don't pretend to myself anymore. But you still want to dip your fingers in glory, do you? Well, go on. You do it. But keep the anger of the world off my back, me and my comrades. We have nothing more to give or nothing to take. We shall be dead soon anyway. Senility will not be preserved much longer. The best of us are dead already. And of course, you've got all that wonderful morality stuff, and we're getting towards the the bit where we finally have the confrontation that we've been mm. waiting for for all six episodes. Yeah. And yeah, I do think it's a shame that Alan Dobie doesn't get to play against Clifford Rose more because they are mm. high caliber actors. But it um, is. but <laughs> it's basically at the end of it, uh, Kessler is an old man trapped in a room, isn't he? Yeah. And that's fundamentally he's, he's just there. The only thing he's got left yeah. is that room yeah and yeah. I, I i did like love the dialogue that kessler has which kind of excuses himself from the final solution you know without the final mm. solution there would be no israel never forget that it was the guilt mm. of the allies that gave you your promised land nothing else which mm. i think is a, a remarkable sort of point of view mm. and he was saying i was not involved in that lunacy about the the mm. final solution but of course he was just by being he enabled it yeah, yeah by being there exactly yeah. the culpability is absolutely there and it's mm. it's it's fascinating that he can somehow extract himself from that. And what of the Jews and the minorities you exterminated? Without the final solution, there would be no Israel. Never forget that. It was the guilt of the Allies that gave you your promised land, nothing else. You have no more right to it than the present Normans have to Britain. That doesn't exonerate the genocide. I would remind you that the so-called Nazi scourge liquidated nine million people. The communists have accounted for 137 million at the last count. They make our crimes against humanity look very feeble, don't they? I'm not listen to this. You are an evil man. Your whole life has been evil. It is because your philosophy is so plausible that we must fight it. Plausibility is a stock in trade of all creeds. There's nothing more plausible than communism or Christianity. And nothing has done so much villainy. Show me the balance in the great book of the world if you can stomach it. Words, just words. People are sick and tired of them. Your deeds speak for you, Kessler. They speak for the Third Reich and all you stand for. But what I like about that, actually, with throughout the story, is is 
the, there is more of a pragmatism throughout the show. You do get these discussions, these debates, which I don't think a lot of modern drama gives time to. Yeah. Where you are, you are actually sort of getting to say, well, I mean, all that stuff right at the beginning about why should anybody care about some old yeah. Nazis? It's it's thirty years on. We've moved on. No, you know, and yet we were, you know, people were still being put on trial in the last twenty years. Yeah. you know, so so it obviously does matter, and it should matter. Yeah, but. But there were enough people already saying, and because I think it shows how quickly, as a society, we forget things. Yeah. We forget we, or we forgive, or we we're not forgiven. Forgive isn't the word, but we sort of justify or pretend or or think, oh well, does that really? Are we worthy of that bad? And of course, even in the in the dialogue of this, you know, there is stuff right back to episode two, which actually says there are an awful lot of old Nazis who are not ex-Nazis. They're just in positions of power today who used to be big wigs in the war. This is in the seventies. Yeah. But you know, people have risen up, and and they were still around and they still were in positions of influence so there was that character who was able to quash the story that the newsman was trying to tell yeah. for example they were they were in these positions where they could just make a few phone calls and things would disappear even then yeah absolutely and that is that is terrifying um and it still goes on yeah today, of course of it course. does and that's why that 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 yeah it, the resonance to with today was quite terrifying one line that I, I wanted to pick out that Kessler has um, is it's the fate of the strong that determined to do what the weak know is a necessity and to be chastised for doing it. Mm. It's that sort of level of scripting which gives you such an insight into Kessler yeah. and humanity. Oh, it's like, it is a class product. I, mean, ah, I know that yeah. there are there are moments in it which I, I know I've, I've referred to as being, they look a bit naff, but actually overall, yeah. certainly from a dialogue point of view and an acting point yeah. of view, it's, it's, a top, it's a top-notch production. There are some shortcomings. Yeah. There always are. Absolutely. Production you can't have. And possibly part of that is... Uh, because of you know trying to film in other countries and and sometimes there are shortcomings and and problems with that but actually overall it's still a quality six-parter yeah i mean whether or not they are shortcomings in trying to do a sequel to what is arguably one of the best dramas that the BBC ever produced yes yeah, exactly is is i mean that it's, it's always going to be difficult to produce a sequel that actually matches up to to that in any uh, in any form and any media, but it, but in terms of what they did, I think it's it is interesting. Like I say, you can look back now and say, oh, wouldn't it be nice if they'd done this or done that? And, and it would have been nice for them to do that. I mean, I, I know that Clifford Rose, like you say in the interviews, uh, would have preferred to do a sort of 50s set one where he was actually his own age and all this kind of thing. But actually, maybe you know telling that as a longer story maybe it couldn't have supported it but i think it might have been interesting it might actually still be interesting now apart from the fact we have not none of the the people involved are still around but but it would have been interesting to do a 20-year post-war story of the rise of a industrialist who had been an, a nazi war criminal and maybe that's an interesting story that could still be told yeah i, I did want to just draw attention to the the suicide scene well, this is it. I did. I did think we we need to talk about the end yeah. of it. Um, in uh, I know with spoiler alert, yes, Kessler dies. <laughs> but, but Kessler doesn't make it to a second series. Yeah. But the um, but yeah, it it in and of itself that sort of part of the program. I, I do think we we should address separately. Yeah. So, yes. I mean, it, the interesting thing to me, and when I learnt this, I was like, oh, that's just so fitting. Is that um, Clifford Rose mm. decided himself how Kessler was going to go. 
and mm. he he read that Hans Langdorf on the Grafspey um, mm. had committed suicide on on the Nazi flag, and they mm. thought that would be a good way for for mm. Kessler to go, um, mm. dramatically suitable, but also showing his you know his Nazism to the end that that's, mm. he's lived his life for that and it's what he believes mm. in and. And and then just from the production point of view, the fact that you get the the camera angles and mm. it, it just it just works that wide angle crane mm. shot and you just mm. you just think wow that's that's the right way to do it and mm. yeah <laughs> but I love the fact that you you have that kind of you're not quite sure because Kester is such a survivor that when he he. It looks like he might go after them at one point, but then he... Well, that's it. Yeah. They've, they've left him with a loaded machine yes, gun. Yes, exactly. Right? A machine gun. And it I does... Mean, f- you kind of think, what? <laughs> no, don't leave that there. <laughs> He's, he'll be after you, mate. Yes, it's, it's... because... But then again, yeah. you know, that... Okay, that dramatically might have been interesting, <laughs> but it probably wouldn't have been as... as 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 much of a full stop to the series as it needed to be. Yeah. I think the, the only... Mm, slight quibble mm-hmm. I had uh, uh, is that they didn't stop it at that point and instead you do get the tag scene with uh, Alan Doby and, and yeah, which um, which you don't need you don't need walking it, off into the sunset or, what are we going to do next you know <laughs> whatever yeah. it is they say you know it's kind of like oh do we do we need I mean, okay, yeah, big people are probably wondering but they've left they've walked out the room left him to his fate I think that. And and then you know what his fate is. I think that's enough. Totally. I mean, again, funnily enough, it does also mirror the um, the opening credits. So it feels that that is where the end of it is, and that little tag scene feels redundant. Really. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I-, I mean, not for me to criticise other people's directorial choices, who are much better. Obviously, made a living at it. Come on, Michael. Come on. Come on. Hit Martin. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is it. I mean, you know, but it just it just feels an odd choice. Yeah, no, not edited. Yeah, I think you're right. Explain the I editor. think you're right. Yeah. So, in summary, what do we think of Kessler? I got to be honest. I I was a bit concerned about us doing this one. Yeah. Just because I I I know how much of a Secret Army stroke Kessler, uh, uh, well. Uh, writer you've been over the years mm. and I thought oh god if I don't like it what's he going to say <laughs> uh, I actually I, I, can't, I think I, I think you sent me uh, a copy of it about two or three years yeah. ago didn't you and, and I, I watched it then and I was thinking oh yeah it was alright yeah. it wasn't you know so it was interesting to watch it again after after a couple of years uh, with with purpose if you like yeah. with the purpose of talking about it uh, I think it's it's actually a lot better than I remembered I think it, there's a lot more going on. There are, as I said before, there are problems. There, there are problems with trying to make a sequel to Secret Army. There are problems with the structure, and there are problems with some of the emphasis and some of the, as as I've just mentioned, some of the directorial editing choices. But actually, overall, the story and the, you know, the dialogue, the script, the performances are are exemplary it's it's a very powerful six-parter um i don't know maybe with a little bit more money a little bit more polish it could have been it could have been as revered as things like edge of darkness are things like um uh tinker taylor are now people you know they talk about those shows in hushed tones and and kessler they don't really so it's a bit of a shame because it's it's a powerful piece i don't know what would have made it 
feel more powerful or more significant. Maybe it's it you know even if it had just had some different musical choice or something it just somehow doesn't feel top tier and i don't know why that is yeah, I, I feel exactly the same i do think it's an, an exemplary piece of work i think the dialogue particularly is stunning and that's down to john brayson mm. and i do love joey mm. glaster's third episode um he, mm. i think he writes a very good episode there um mm. and i do think it it is a good cast i think mm. alan doby's shortchanged um in that role and I think he wasn't keen on it ultimately, no. but then you wouldn't be in that role. And mm. and when it goes to them, you kind of think, as you say, that it is scratching around a bit for them to see what they can do. And it is, and it should be about the Nazis and about, about the, the, the pursuit of Detarg and all of that sort of stuff. But um, I mean, Clifford Rose, you can't fault him in any way. whatsoever. No, no, no. Um, I mean, that's the difficulty, isn't it? You're basically making a series, which is kind of like about, <laughs> not wanting to use the expression but I'm going to anyway which is it's sort of like playing a lovable old Nazi lovable old granddad yes really and, he was, and yet yeah. you've got to have you're making a six-part series about somebody that's a monster now these days HBO do that sort of thing all the time I mean you get mm-hmm. you, know, you get dramas that have got uh, serial killers at, at the heart of yeah. them and everything like that and somehow they make them affable but You'd, I, I don't know. The monster of Kessler sort of feels. Maybe that's it. Maybe they don't sort the the sense of the sense of danger doesn't feel quite heightened enough. Yeah. Maybe it's not melodramatic enough, which is not something you get me normally saying. But maybe you really need to sense that we're having a race against time to stop these bastards coming. Yeah, back. and I think that dramatic element was missing. And if we'd actually mm. seen the neo-Nazi organisation that Ingrid was apparently heading up and mm. seen that strength of, strength mm. of um, mm. oh, just blatant mm. nationalism. And, like, we'd had a scene, you know, like there's that scene in the film Cabaret where they're singing that song, the the, the Hitler Youth, when they, it starts. It's sort of like that sort of emotive, the young singing, singing for the, the Third Reich, and in this case for the Fourth Reich, it would have been, I think it would have lifted it and given it more dramatic resonance and made you think, fuck, this is a really dangerous situation. And young minds are being turned, as they are in every country in Europe right now. But also the, the I think the anti, you know, the Nazi hunters, the anti-Nazi people, they, they, they don't feel organised. It all feels a bit half-assed, really. Yeah. You know, you feel that maybe if you felt they had an organisation and you had sort of scenes where they said, right, we've, we've got him, we've got him, he's definitely, you know, or something yeah. that just made you feel a bit more adrenaline rush that they'd found something. I mean, again, it, modern television structures have changed, but cliffhangers, you know, that, that suddenly say, right, We've definitely got him now, and and and, and go into the next. Episode. The way HBO do a lot of their modern series now yeah. are actually it's it's a very effective way of of adrenaline rush broadcasting uh, uh, storytelling, you know. But actually, I'm not a huge fan of that, so that, that's it's difficult for me to say. But it just feels it misses the beats a little bit along the way. Yeah, I agree. And the sense of jeopardy, There's the the jeopardy doesn't ever really quite hit the mark yeah. another thing is i think that john brayson had become too familiar with the subject matter of the mm. nazis in the 70s and had read mm. so much and had really immersed himself mm. in so much of that that he understood it fully but there's mm. kind of he doesn't do enough to reveal the shock of that um in in the story 
particularly in the earlier episodes, you find out about the Kameraden work and how they're still opera- they're absolutely operating and all these old Nazis hiding out. And then the revelation that Ingrid is actually heading up a neo-Nazi movement. It's all just kind of squandered because we're meant to know this stuff. And it's like, the only thing that is a big shock is when Mengele turns up and it's like, oh, fuck, that's Mengele. Um, everything else, it feels like we're meant to just accept that this this spectre of Nazism is just there and we didn't necessarily know that. Or maybe we did because of films like The Odessa File and Boys of Brazil. Mm. But, but maybe maybe they just didn't want to be seen as glorifying that or, or you know, sensationalising that. Yeah. So maybe that would have been accusations of that from the Daily Mail, wouldn't they? You know, yeah. you know BBC making scenes which show Nazis to be fun or something. You know? <laughs> well, not that, it, but I know what you mean. It's kind of like... It's how do you depict it, and it's it's difficult. Mm. It really is difficult. Yeah. Um, but I think they do tread the line right in terms mm. of Kessler, in that whenever you start to feel any sort of warmth towards him, you suddenly realise he's a repellent monster because of what he's yes. done and what he can say yes. about the Jews or whatever yes. and how he's not a part of that and how he can pick and mm. choose what he's going to feel guilty about. If you intend to kill me, do it now before I have time to dwell on anything. I have no intention of killing you, Kessler. I have a revulsion against taking anybody's life. You, of course, wouldn't understand that. No, I wouldn't. It's the fate of the strong, the determined to do what the weak know is necessary and then to be chastised for doing it while the hypocrites hide behind the cloak of humanitarianism. Words, more words. Mankind's choking on them. Let me tell you something. There's no faith, no cause, no belief worthy the taking of a single human life, not even yours. Then let's get on with it, shall we? Well, I think in in the end, I think uh, you know, as a, as a certainly as a a a, a high point of, of Clifford Rose's career, I think the Kessler character comes across in in this and Secret Army as well. I mean, it's a great performance across those four uh, series, really, and um, I think. Uh, it, it's to be admired. It's one of those things. It's not widely available at the moment, is it, Kessler? But it's it's one of those shows that's really worth people giving it their time to. Yeah, as long as they don't come into it hot after having watched all of Secret Army, thinking it's going to mm. carry on the story and, and be the same feel, because it isn't. It's a different series. Mm. It needs that break, doesn't it? Yeah. It needs that natural break. I mean, do you think, actually, if it had been left slightly longer, it might have been um, slightly better to- you know, yeah, possibly. I, again, I, I I can't answer that. I just yeah. I just wonder if you know the the only having the two year gap. Whereas you think maybe it'd been say five years. Yeah. Like, a bit like the, I mean I know Tenko reunion was quite quick on the heels of Tenko. Yeah. Wasn't I it? think whereas, you've got to you've got to move quick just so the cast is still available, mm, haven't you? I guess. Mm, I suppose so. Yeah. I suppose so yeah. But also the fact that they had that big repeat run, which is the first time I saw Secret Army before Kessler, and I think I was too mm. young to see Kessler because it went out at nine o'clock. Um, yeah. But I saw Secret Army and I was like, you know, people were going into it fresh from Secret Army again and remembering all mm. of that. So it kind of it kind of mm. deals it the wrong. Yeah, it, it gives it the wrong setup to, to mm. go straight from Secret Army into Kessler, certainly. Mm. Yeah, they've got a def- different tone. They've got different. They've got some similar messages, mm. but yeah. And is the um, is the untransmitted Secret Army episode available for people? Um, it's on YouTube, I think, or, right. or no, Daily Motion. It's, it's never had an official release. No, though, it's, it? on da- no yeah. it's on Daily Motion, I think it is. Yeah, mm. Mm. But um, it, it's... Yeah. But we wouldn't recommend it, really. <laughs> Apart well, from no, it's, it's fascinating because you want to see it, you know. Mm. But as soon as you've seen yeah. it, I kind of wanted to have eye bleach, you know. You never <laughs> want to see it again. I don't want to see that. 
No. Yeah. But Although, you know, at least it did give us the seeds of Kessler, so it's... Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do think, I mean, I, I know we're not really talking about Secret Army now, but I do think that uh, certainly the uh, few episodes uh, before the um, before he's in prison, you know, when he's on the run, that episode where he's on the run, oh. and, and what he's prepared to do. Oh, to I love Day, Days of Judgment. It's my one of perhaps mm. my favourite episode of all. It's just mm. brilliant when he's on, on the run with Madeline. It's just... And I think I think it's you sort of feel you need flashes of that Kessler sometimes. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, and in Clifford himself, the thing he was most worried about was could he carry off the older man? Mm. And I think he does. Mm. But the irony was when I was talking to him, interviewing him, and meeting him about Kessler, he was mm. the age that Kessler actually was at that point. Yeah. In the mm. series, but he actually mm. plays this at fifty-one, which. Mm. Which is surprising because he seems a lot older mm. than a fifty-one in it, doesn't he? Mm. Well, I just think it's interesting because, again, in Secret Army, uh, you know, Kessler was very much, you know, responsible for all sorts of atrocities, but actually, he doesn't seem to take a very proactive part in the, or in, a, in the, you know, in the, the torture sequence, for example, by the River Thames. Yeah. You know, you sort of feel that that's the moment where that old Kessler should have become more yeah. apparent i think yeah and maybe that's a directorial or scripting choice but it just again there are moments where you just want to want that brutal yeah you know, i mean like there's um, moments in the first, first series of secret army that always come to mind is like when he um when he hits the man who's going to be a pretender vader so that he's you know mm. he, he really hurts him so that it, mm. it feels realistic and also that sergeant falling down the stairwell and he starts hitting him about while he's on the floor having completely mm. paralyzed himself almost and kessler was capable I mean, of real sadistic cruelty well there's like again a see i mean i've not seen secret army for a while now yeah. but I, there's a sequence where the woman the, is it the banker's wife is so terrified of him that she runs out into the street and dies. the, the bargee the bargee's wife yeah it could be, yeah. 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 But yeah. it's just so... She's so terrified of him. Yeah. And I think you don't... Again, maybe... Uh, you know, maybe maybe that's a, a prejudice we as viewers have. We all look, we look at elderly old men as as, as cuddly old Walton-style grandfathers. We, we don't think about the fact that they were bayoneting Nazis. In the war. <laughs> but also, that leads into this thing, like, does it matter now? They're just old men. Well, mm. no, it does. You've got to take responsibility mm. for your actions. Mm. And they're not just old men. They're old men who did terrible unconscionable things and people can grow up to be those terrible people <laughs> you think there's a place for entertainment based on people making those terrible choices in life do you think do you think it, we need to tell these uh, yeah, stories yeah. because we, yeah. we need the reminder and that's why i think series like secret army are so important and i think mm. the problem is it's not in fashion now to do programs about the war because it's getting further and further away but if we don't then we forget all the lessons. And I think younger people today, I'm going to sound like a right old fart now, don't don't necessarily have those lessons of the war oh, ready absolutely. to mind. And, absolutely. And the same things it, keep happening again and again, and yeah. it just never ends, does it? It's just well, I mean, now now we live in an era where, you know, people just, uh, they, just they, prefer, they prefer what they reckon over what history tells them. Yeah, it's, and and even will will turn around and tell you that history. Well, history is just really, you know, somebody's opinion that we all agree on. You know, and and I think there's a lot of terrible things that get denied and and get 
not talked about or people just now decide amongst themselves oh i don't think that ever happened you know because what because you sat in your living room and thought that mm. you know yeah and and i think that sort of storytelling is important for that reason although nowadays it's very difficult to persuade <laughs> the people who don't want to think about these things that these things uh, did happen yeah yeah I think the main thing I could come away from this this with is the feeling that um, the writing isn't necessarily there in television to this level of detail and cleverness and mm. and that was just the, the biggest strength of it and John Brayson's writing was just incredible on this and and of course Clifford's performance you just keep going. And back uh, to you know there there is definitely uh, you know a lack of a lack of melodrama which I find satisfying you know yeah. it it because there are a lot of modern a lot of modern drama seems desperate to make you feel something and to manipulate your emotions mm. in some direction in a way that somehow oh, it becomes really exhausting. <laughs> you know, and and you just, in the end, you just think, oh, for God's sake, I, I, I don't need to be told out of here. I, I, if somebody's a monster, I know there's a, they're a monster. I don't need to, you know, I don't need to see you putting, you know, whatever, the, their arm into a blender to, to, to know yeah. that. You know, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Blah blah. Old fart. <laughs> well, that makes two of us. Right. Okay. Anyway, it's been an absolute delight. Yes, it has. Um, I have enjoyed going back to Kessler with your, mm-hmm. for the purpose of this lovely little podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's starting to look like it might be quite a big podcast. Yes, I know. Um, we're almost halfway through series two, though, are we not? I don't know where. We're getting there. Yeah. We think we're ten down now, aren't we? Oh, is that it? Yeah. So we're getting there, certainly. We will back, be back with letter L next month, hopefully, with a good wind oh, behind whatever. us. <laughs> <laughs> if, if we're spared, yes, yes okay. Exactly. <laughs> okay, until next time. You take Martin. care. Yeah, thank you. Cheers.
You've been listening to an A to Z of UK TV drama. If you enjoyed the episode, I know that Andy and Martin would love to hear from you on Twitter. Better still, why not leave them a review on Apple Podcasts so that other Archive TV fans can find them. 